And during the few moments that we have left, we want to have just an off-the-cuff chat between you and me, us. We want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand.
Hey, y'all. Um, Dr. Umar Thurman was uh, recently uh, interviewed on The Breakfast Club. Um, and y- y'all have to hear what he said about the Democrat Party. Uh, check this out. The problem today is black people are married to the Democrats even before you hear the agenda. So they don't have to take you seriously because they know you will be there. It's like being in a relationship with a woman who you take advantage of. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how many times you step out on her. When you get home, you know she's going to be there. So black America is the Democratic Party's cheap prostitute. On a truly serious note, I don't know what's wrong with us. I mean, it's truly pathetic. We are married to the Democrat Party. They don't give us nothing. They have given us nothing in years. This out. Yeah, mm. I feel like this year has uh, we black people have really disrupted that in a major way. Like I think they know that they have to work for the black vote this year. Like this is the first time I've seen candidates actually have a black agenda. There's a reason for that, and I think it's because you still want to squeeze as much of the black vote as you can. But I believe that our relevance in the political landscape is beginning to decline Mm. because you have the rise of the Latino population and their vote. Mm. And unlike the African-American community, the Latino American community isn't married permanently one way or the other. Mm. So they're going to hear the Republicans out. They're going to hear the Democrats out and they're going to make a decision as best for their community, whereas black folks we don't need to hear anyone out. Mm-hmm. We're voting for the Democratic Party irregardless. I have to tell y'all with all sincerity. Hey there, welcome back to the Davis Report. I am not John Idarola. I'm Brooke Thomas Adore. He's sitting right next to me. It'll be okay. Uh, first uh, up here uh, today, we're going to talk to Rashad Robinson, host of the Voting While Black podcast and president of Color of Change. Rashad, good morning. Good morning. Great to be with you. I'm glad to have you here. Tell us a little bit about the podcast. Well, the podcast is an opportunity and where it's it's operated through our political action committee, Color of Change PAC. Um, what we wanted to do was um, invite each of the presidential candidates, whoever would come, to have a conversation not just about the what in terms of their list of policies and priorities, but the how. Right. The fact of the matter is, is black people, black issues are deeply present, not always in the ways that we want them to be, but they're deeply present on the presidential um, candidate stage. And candidates are talking about a range of issues and making promises to the community, but oftentimes not talking about how they're going to get it done. And I fundamentally believe and we fundamentally believe that there's a huge gap between promising us something and actually being able to talk about how you're going to work with movements, how you will deal with entrenched corporate power, all the barriers to actually making um, ideas uh, actual reality. And so to the extent that we are spending about 30 minutes each podcast and with a partnership with Now This also pushing out videos to really force these candidates to talk about how they're going to make change happen, how they will work with movements and communities, to do it and what and who and what are the barriers that they will deal with that oftentimes stand in the way of change. Well, let's talk about that because you did mention that you have uh, invited some presidential, all presidential candidates, whoever will come. Tell me who has come and then what type of answers you've gotten as far as direct action and what's going to happen and how this is going to happen when it comes to issues that are important to black voters. In terms of the candidates who are currently candidates, we've had um, uh, Warren, Sanders, Castro, um, uh, Williamson, Steyer, uh, um, uh, Harris sat with us before she um, dropped out, uh, and uh, Mayor Pete. 
And so, like, to the extent we've had these, each of these candidates, a number of candidates we've had some trouble scheduling with. Some have maybe made it a little more clear that they're not going to join us. Um, but, um, you know, a couple of things have stood out. I think um, each of the candidates at various points in the interview, I think, had to be pressed on the how. I think these candidates are interested in being able to talk about why they're for Medicaid for all, or Medicare for all, or being able to talk about why they care about criminal justice. But when we start to push them on, okay, so how are you going to get that to happen? How will you get that to happen inside of a Mitch McConnell-led Senate, if that's what actually happens? How will you get that to happen? Because uh, some of these proposals that these candidates are pushing are way more advanced than, let's say, what President Obama had put on the table. But we saw all the pushback that President Obama got for proposals that may not even be as progressive as the things we want today. And so what are you going to do different than President Obama did in terms of dealing with the factions that will stand in the way? We also, in each of these um, um, conversations, the final question, I've asked them all the same final question. And so, you know, um, every presidential election season, um, candidates come, in particular this season, they've come to our community and they talk about the issues. They talk about disparities. I think all of that is important in terms of being able to recognize how far the movement has come in pushing certain issues that maybe we never dreamed would be debated on the presidential stage, like reparations and other things. Um, but I'm also not just asking these candidates what they're going to do for the black community, but I, each of the final questions, each of the candidates, I've asked them, black people have contributed so much to America, to service, to where we see the country moving forward. Who is a black person um, that has contributed to your understanding of politics and service? To force these candidates to also talk about who are the black people in their lives that they listen to, that have helped them understand issues, that they follow. Um, that, for us, is also critically important to being able to separate people who have had um, an experience and a relationship with the community and those that may not, because that will also um, really uh, determine how successful these candidates are at delivering for us, um, those that actually um, have a rooted understanding and history with the community. Uh, good morning, Rashad. This is uh, John. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you about a couple of different things, but you actually just really piqued my curiosity there. So when the candidates were answering those questions about who would inspire them, who had they learned from, um, you, you've spoken now with several of them. Who would you say uh, gave very convincing or authentic responses to that? And, and who did who tripped your alarm as being a little bit shallower in their their response in that area? Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say that I was, you know, I, I really appreciated um, Secretary Castro's answer. He talked specifically about a local minister activist who was friends with his mom who ended up running for office and, and winning office in San Antonio and what that meant from activism to leadership. He also mentioned Jesse Jackson and being, um, you know, um, preteens and while Jesse Jackson was running for president and coming from an activist home and what that meant to see a multiracial coalition coming together. They were, they were, it was an answer that I think um, could really resonate with a lot of folks. Um, Elizabeth Warren talked about um, uh, Congressman um, Elijah Cummings, and we actually did the interview before Congressman Cummings passed away. And she specifically talked about the years she had worked with him on financial reform before she was an elected official, and how much he had pushed her on what it meant to fight and to stand up and push back, um, taking kind of pushing her around being an academic and what it meant to like be deeply connected to communities and connecting her to many of the people that had suffered under some of the systems she was pushing back on in his 
home of Baltimore. Um, you know, Sanders talked about his time um, working with Core and, and King, and he mentioned Belafonte. Um, and then, you know, there were folks who I think, um, you know, while ha while mentioned people who were, um, were, that they knew, like Mayor Pete, maybe didn't talk about how that impacted issues they understood or or how it sort of informed their work today. I think it was an answer that each of the candidates um, uh, were surprised to get at the end, um, even as we started to signal. But I do think that for each of them, it, for me, I was what I was hoping to do was push these candidates to think more broadly about how they engage with the community, how they listen to the community, and what they're going to put on the table. You know, we're still waiting on someone like Cory Booker to agree to uh, join us. Um, Biden, we've basically sort of, I think, have gotten sort of a no, but who, who knows there. And, and then we've had people that have been sort of surprising and not joining us. Well, I, I would say Booker was a bit surprising, but you know, every time we reach out to Klobuchar, they sort of direct us to their head of African-American outreach. And someone who's polling at 0% with African-American <laughs> South Carolina, you would think that they would be interested in doing the podcast um, and in engaging around some of these issues, especially engaging with organizations like ours, which has been so out front on tech accountability and tech policy. Um, and she, um, and you know, she's been, that's been one of the issues where she's really, um, I think, shined. And so it's unfortunate that she hasn't, she doesn't have a strong enough kind of theory around black outreach yet for uh, a color of change to be an organization that she feels that she has to meet with or even do our podcast at all. Um, and, um, and you know, I will say that, um, the, you know, our season finale was with Kamala Harris. And I will say that, um, you know, she dropped out maybe the next week and maybe she was a little bit freer, but I found it to be one of the most engaging conversations I've had with Senator Harris in some time. And I felt like she really dug in to try to talk about her prosecutor record. Um, but I felt like she may have been the strongest on tech accountability, and she went deep on algorithmic, algorithmic bias and a bunch of other situations in terms of corporate power. And I, it was actually something I had not heard from her before, and just could. And after she dropped out, had wished that maybe we had heard more of that Kamala Harris earlier on in the campaign, and it could have maybe done more to help. Um, folks see a fuller picture of um, of her candidacy, even though there were a lot of unanswered questions about her uh, record on criminal justice and and questions that she um, and I had, you know, in private conversations had asked her to address more quickly. And with that, we will stop there. Uh, I will put the links up to those videos, the Breakfast Club interview with Umar Johnson uh, that the, the brother was showing, uh, which is called, by the way, Dr. Umar Johnson says black Americans I foolishly married to the Democratic Party. Uh, <laughs> now, don't take this the wrong way, but everything Umar Johnson said on that, we have repeated here on Real Life, the radio show, several times. I ain't saying that he got that from us, but it was almost verbatim. I'm just going to leave that there, though. And this other video is which candidates truly care about black voters. And we played those because today we have a special guest, uh, presidential candidate, Mr. Dion D. Jenkins, the hip-hop president, and yes, a black man running on reparations. Is that safe? 
we have a lot of questions. So let without further ado, let me get Mr. Jenkins on. How are you doing this evening, Mr. Jenkins? Oh, man, I'm doing very well. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for showing up. Hey, because we done had a few interviews, and once people get the kind of understanding, get excuse me, get the understanding of the topics that we uh, cover and the questions that we ask, they tend not to show up to the actual show. So I give you kudos for that, first and foremost. This will not be easy. I must say that up front. I think tonight will kind of – it's going to be rough, Mr. Jenkins. It's going to be rough. But I know we got my brother, Roz. First of all, hold on. I didn't even introduce the show because I'm so excited about this conversation tonight. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Real Life, the radio show. I am your host, Jenna Capride, alongside my partner, my brother, Brother Roz. And again, our special guest, Dion D. Jenkins, presidential candidate. Brother Roz, you have anything you want to say before we get in? to this beautiful conversation tonight. Sure. Um, thank you, Brother Dion uh, D. Jenkins, just for being with us. We greatly appreciate you being with us. Um, when my partner says that this, the question, or it's going to be a, 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 a hard show, it's not in the sense of how we're going to approach you, so it's going to be very respectful <laughs> and courteous. It's just oh, yeah. um, we have we just have a lot of questions about a lot of things um, just because of what black people in America have been through up to this point. And yes, black people are at a, a place in space where they need change and they need change. Like yesterday, it's no longer um, like Tupac used to say, we, we asked with, with the Panthers and all of those folks, <laughs> we want what we want and we want it now. So now that we're hearing about your approach, I think this is going to be refreshing to hear. And excuse me. And because your approach is so different, um, drastically different from any other um, presidential candidate that I know of, I think that's where the hardness is going to come because people just want to get those questions answered and get to know you better in a way where um, they'll be able to better understand first and then resonate with the message that you have and, and the direction you're trying to take the country in um, with your candidacy. So with that, I would just love to have you pretty much um, introduce yourself to the people for anyone who may not know who you are, may not be as familiar with you. And um, from there, we'll be able to I, pretty, I think we can pretty much move forward from there unless you have any questions before we get started. Oh, no, no, uh, not at all. Um, my name is Dion D. Jenkins. I'm a presidential candidate. Um, I am a Democratic candidate. However, um, I'm not loyal to the Democratic Party, and I'm going to explain that. And I believe, well, it's not what I believe is facts, that there, you know, it's a two-party system, um, Democrat and Republican. If we're going to get to the White House, we're going to have to go through one of those parties. Um, you know, uh, in this era, you know, it's a two-party system. Maybe in 50 years it'll change, but right now in the era, in the climate that we live in, in the universe, in the dimension that we live in, we're going to have to either infiltrate one of those two parties or just take it over. And I come with a process that I like to call, we're going to hijack the vote. Um, never before in the history of 
well, I take that back. Never before in our history, since we've been alive, have we had a, a candidate who was a black agenda priority candidate. I first ran back in 2015 as a grassroots hip hop organizer. I'm a hip hop artist. I'm not a celebrity rapper. I'm a grassroots hip hop organizer, big difference. And I was just an individual who said there have to be change. I saw the Barack Obama presidency, how it lasted. Um, unfortunately, I did vote for Barack Obama the first time um, off of the idea that there, you know, there was going to be change, right? Um, I even printed some T-shirts. I was in the street. I sold like thousands of T-shirts, making a lot of money off of Barack Obama T-shirts, mixtapes, and CDs that I was uh, I was recording back then, and uh, and uh, it was because of guys like me, unfortunately, who gave Barack Obama street credibility and made black people, um, you know, uh, embrace him um, on a credible level. However, I was a lot younger at the time. I was a lot uneducated more uneducated than I am now. I saw a black man um, at the highest level, and I said, yes, finally, you know what I'm saying? And we, we see how that, how that panned out. Um, you know, eight years later, um, you know, the racial wealth gap widened. Um, there is a study done by the Institute of Policy Studies that states that by 2053, the black household income is going to be zero dollars. All right. Not only that, but there was a study back in 2006 stated by the FBI that said that uh, white extremist groups were infiltrating law enforcement. There is another study that stated between 2008 and 2014, white extremist groups rose from 149 to, to over a thousand groups. And we are seeing the results of that era. So I, as a hip hop artist, decided that it's, there was something that had to be done. And I began studying, doing a lot of research. And this was before Barack Obama's first campaign, his, his first um, election cycle, before it ended. I started doing a lot of research, a lot of reading, a lot of studying, figuring out ways how to change the system. And I kept coming, I kept stumbling across the same, same type of scenario. I kept stumbling upon the presidency. And at the time I was like, Oh man, that, that's a pipe dream. I, I can't be a president. You know, I'm a hip hop artist. And then I, I start, I do, I started doing more research, more research, more research. And then a light bulb came on. I said, what if I could, galvanize the people f for this. And I, I still did not have all of the answers at the time. However, I knew that I need to infiltrate elected offices in some way, shape, or form. But I knew that the presidential office was the highest level, but I really, really wasn't really educated on the powers that it had. And then I found out that the president was commander in chief. And I said, wow, if I infiltrate the highest level of, of elected offices, 
I would be the highest status member in the military. And that was related to my plan because I was there. I live in the Bay Area. And when Oscar Grant got shot down, I was out here. And I remember when that happened. And it affected me and, and a lot of other people a lot. You know, and for those of you who do, who do not know who Oscar who uh, uh, Oscar Grant is, he was a young man who was gunned down back on New Year's Day in 2009. He was catching the BART, and his, there was video footage of him being shot in the back in handcuffs by a BART police officer. And it sent shockwaves across the country. They even made a movie about it later on, played by Michael B. Jordan, and the movie is called Fruitvale, uh, Fruitvale, in reference to the station where Oscar Grant was killed. So I saw the white extremism happening, and I, and I saw where it was trending, and being out in the streets, I saw people talking. I would come across against white supremacists on the streets when I would try to approach them and and sell my mixtapes and stuff like that. And I would get, sometimes I would get in squabbles on the streets with white supremacists, with white extremists about racial stuff. And I saw that this was something that was serious. And if nobody did anything about it, something bad was going to happen to our people. And as I began to study, I saw that the current president at the time wasn't doing nothing about it. Then what really set it off was when Freddie Gray was killed in Baltimore, Baltimore got shook up. And the president at the time, Barack Obama, made a statement that really rubbed me the wrong way. He called the people who was resisting thugs. He called them thugs, and he sent out the National Guard. And in my mind, I'm thinking as a black man, the president of the United States of America, going to use the military. He is the highest because by this time I was educated enough to know his power. The president, the only absolute power that the president has, and we saw this with George Bush very well, and we saw this with his father, George H.W. Bush. The only absolute power that the president has is the power of military. You can either use that National Guard for for the people or against the people. And in that situation, those people were protesting and, res and, and, and was resisting. They were resisting and using their 14th Amendment right to resist tyranny in America. And the president at the time decided to use the military to use his highest level of office as a way to use it against the people, particularly black people. And that really rubbed me. At, at that moment, I said, I'm going to be president. Because something has to be done. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but we're going to figure it out. So I became really focused on finding ways how to get in offices. I knew that I didn't really have, I didn't care about the city council. I didn't care about the senator. I didn't care about nothing else. I knew that we, there was some type of repair that needed to be done. 
and there was some type of defense that had to happen. And I knew that our constitutional rights were being violated, and that this country was in violation of their own statutes. And I knew that the highest elected office, the first black president that we elected, didn't do nothing about it. And I was so angry. I was so distraught. Me just being a, a, a regular mixtape rapper at the time decided, no, I'm going to use this. I don't have nothing, but I'm going to use what God gave me as a way. Every time I, 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 I rap a lyric, is going to be related to politics, waking black people up in America, getting them ready for this, what I'm about to do. And that's what I did. So back in 2015, I ran. I was the youngest person. Uh, the source said that I was the youngest person to legally run. I had just turned 35 on my birthday. That's how bad I wanted it. I, on my birthday, as soon as I turned 35, I registered with the Federal Elections Committee. And I became a presidential candidate. And I, I hit the media, I hit the press. Um, I had some key interviews. Uh, I was interviewed by the number one uh, station in California, uh, KCBS Radio by Doug Sovereign. He interviewed me. I, um, I, I was interviewed by uh, KPIX Radio, by uh, Kristen A. I mean, KPIX Channel 2 News with Kristen Ayer, um, one of the star commentators out here. And, uh, reparations was on my tongue now you got to understand that at this time there was nobody talking about reparations no not even dancing over the subject but i was the only one who was keeping it in the media and because i was the only one who was keeping it in the media the democratic party knew that they had to say something about it because they were going to look stupid amongst black people when you have a nobody candidate and who nobody even heard of talking about he's a mixtape rapper talking about reparations. So Bernie Sanders had to say, had to mention it. And Bernie Sanders got on record. He said it was divisive. Bernie Sanders was using our ancestor Martin Luther King as a cover up. When Martin Luther King died for reparations. Martin Luther King laid down his life for reparations. It was the reason why they, in the last two years of his life, he made it clear that if we were going to have any type of change, it was going to have to be an economic change. He said, we, we need civil rights, not just civil rights. And he died on that premise. Then you had Bernie Sanders back in 2016 who came out and said that he don't believe in reparations because he think it's divisive. But still he was trying to use Martin Luther King as a cover-up, as a catapult for his campaign. So you got to understand because you had me out there you got to understand that in our era, no, nobody, there is no presidential candidate who 
had reparations as a forefront for his campaign ever. Jesse Jackson was the last person before me who, who even talked about reparations, but he was, he didn't use it as a, as a, as a main campaign talking point. He was talking about the rainbow coalition, uh, money for poor people and all this type of stuff, uh, equality, but he was not, he did not have a black agenda. He was not, a black agenda priority candidate. We never had that in the history of America, at least not in our era. Probably ever. And I say probably ever because I didn't do enough research to substantiate that. So I'm going to just say probably ever, but I know for a fact in our lifetime, we haven't had it. So fast forward, Donald Trump, he becomes president. Donald Trump becomes president, and never before in the history of America have I seen a presidential candidate be so unapologetic about being a white supremacist. They were kicking people's butt at his at his press rally. He would Donald Trump would have speeches while he was campaigning, and black people were getting beat up at his uh, uh, speech rallies. That's why white people love him so much. That's why white supremacists love him so much because he is unapologetic of who he is. So I said, you know what? I was already like that, but I said, you know, I'm gonna go harder. This next, this next election, I'm gonna go even harder. I'm gonna prove to my people, to, to my constituents that I'm not, I'm not compromising. I'm not trying to just, compromise for white people that's the problem we have too many candidates who think that the only way we can win is if we compromise for white people we've got to dilute our blackness i wanted to show the people from from the get that i was sincere with this that i am a black agenda priority candidate this was before anybody was screaming reparations this was before any movements popped off. This was before it was cool to have a black agenda. I, I, had, I, I remember talking about reparations and, and, and getting laughed at. I remember telling people how I'm going to have a black agenda priority platform and getting laughed at. Today, it's because of the work that I put in as a candidate and other people who are on the ground is the reason why the Democratic Party have to at least acknowledge it. But guess what? They want to get into that White House without giving us what we want. And that's why I'm here today. Okay. Because we are going to stop that. We are going to have a black agenda priority candidate like never before. We never had it. There's no need for a down ballot. We don't have to down ballot a dang thing. Because we have a candidate in Deion D. Jenkins. So I did studying because the last thing that I wanted to be is a presidential candidate that's just coming out with, with theories and ideas and didn't do no studying to back it up. I did calculations. And let me tell you something. You don't have to be 
and I want to make this clear. You do not have to be an economist to calculate reparations. You do not have to have a Ph.D. to calculate reparations. You do not have to have many years of schooling and training. Let me tell you something. One of the most brilliant men who I look up to by the name of Malcolm X, Malcolm Little, who changed his name to Malcolm X, got educated in prison. If he could get educated in prison, we could, we could definitely get educated on the outside if you got enough heart. Some of your greatest leaders who ever lived had heart, and your heart is going to get you all of the education that you need. Now, I want to make it clear, you do have to be educated for this. You've got to know what you're doing. But you don't need a white man's piece of paper to validate what you know and how to get it and, 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 and any type of education that's needed in order to get it. All you got to do is know how to find the resources, know how to find the information, be smart enough to calculate numbers and everything, and, and I'm going to talk about that today. Because what you got to understand is that this country, America, there are four elements that catapults American society. And all of the research that I've done, all of the studying, I keep seeing the same thing, the same thing, the same thing over and over again. Now, it may look different. There may be different policies and everything, but they all correlate with four different types of categories. Defensive structure, capital, land, and the access to capital. Defensive structure is the very first because no nation can thrive without a defensive structure. Because anything you build, you got to be able to protect it. Not only do you got to protect it from outside forces, but you got to be able to enforce the rules that you establish amongst the people who reside. So defensive structure is first. That's why this country spends so much money on defense. Because they understand that. They understand, look, if, if we want to be a superpower, we got to make sure that most of our resources go on defense. But I'm talking about, so, so but when I talk about defense, I, I'm talking about for us. Because they have a defensive structure. We need to create a defensive structure, and I'm going to talk about that. So the first is, is defensive structure, and that incorporates a military, law enforcement, and a judicial system. And these three elements right here, there's a famous statement that says the dollar is backed by the bullet. That's so true. Because you don't got to be the smartest dude in the room. You don't got to be the, the most charismatic dude in the room. You don't got to be the best looking dude in the room, but you got to be the most powerful dude in the room. That's the first one. The second is capital because every nation has to have an economy. There has to be the flow of currency. And if you do not have a strong economy, your nation will fail. The next element is land. Because every nation has to have a territory to reside. And last but not least, the access to capital. Okay? And the access to capital is very important because you got to have ways to access the economy. 
And there are seven subcategories dealing with the access to capital. And it's labor, financial investments, grants, loans, inheritances, fundraising, and litigation. Those are the seven ways how you get money in this country, having access to capital. So not only are these the four elements that catapulted America's society, but these are the four elements that America used to make us a bottom cast. Facts. And I'm going to talk about that. Because with the defensive structure, America uses its military, its law enforcement, and its judicial system to keep black people out. The military, a great example, like I said, with Barack Obama, he called in the National Guard. Okay? Law enforcement. The first police officer was started because he was a slave catcher. That's how, that's how police officers started, was because they said, look, we got to catch these slaves. We got to keep these slaves in check, right? Law enforcement is not just the police, though. You got federal, state, and local agencies and foreign agencies like the CIA, right? And all these agencies were, were, were instituted under presidential administrations, okay? Theodore Roosevelt created the FBI because during that time, um, you know, during that time there was a lot of crime, quote unquote, that was going on. And they were trying to, they were trying to uh, 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 really, really figure out ways how to gather intelligence to keep from like mafiosas and stuff getting out of control. Okay, so they created the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, for a specific purpose, right? You have, um, you know, of course, the police, sheriffs, deputies, you know, uh, uh, highway patrol, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, marshals, um, you know, all types of law enforcement agencies, right? Then you have a judicial system, okay? You have a judicial system that's created to make sure that you could funnel people out, okay? So you set laws in order to capture people who conflict with these laws and you funnel them out. That's your defensive structure, and all those elements were used. There are studies that show that law enforcement agencies specifically target black people. There are, there are studies that show that, that the judicial system specifically targeted black people. Okay? Study shows this. The second ele element that is being used against us is the economy. Okay? They use their economy to block us out, all right? The next is land, okay? There is a famous book called Sundown Towns by James Lowen, talking about how black people were driven out of their cities and towns by white terrorist organizations, groups, and just mobs. You know, your next door neighbor was probably one of them, right? And 
during there was a time during the reconstruction period when black people were actually getting things like they were figuring out ways how to acquire land um even though they didn't um you know really benefit off of the homes off of the homestead acts but that's another story but they were building businesses they had an economy and a lot of white folks a lot of people classified as white became jealous of that and they would get together and they would target these people and they would tell them look you got to be out of here by sundown if you're not out of here by sundown we're going to burn everything that you got and we're going to kill you and these white people were clicking in uh you know uh with the sheriffs law enforcement the governor the mayor you know politicians and thousands and millions of black people were driven out there were thousands of these incidents all across the country. In the area I live in, there's a uh, uh, there's a city called Napa, N-A-P-A. The acronym for Napa, and I found out uh, I found out about this in the book. It's called the the acronym is No African People Allowed. Okay, and these were areas. So from 1890 all the way to the 1960s, black people were getting driven out stripped of their property, stripped of their land. Okay? And the last but not least is the access to capital. We are denied loans and grants. There are, there are, there are studies that show this. It's already been proven. We're not hired for jobs. We don't have a rich grandmother, a mom, a dad who have capital to pass it down. Okay? We don't, we're not in the judicial system where we could just sue people because they're uh, treating us wrong and, and, and get the compensation that's needed because you're probably going to go across a white racist judge. He's probably going to either throw out the case or, or give you a bad judgment, right? We don't have, uh, you know, our people don't really have enough money to, to do real big fundraising like that. You know, like, a white person could put up a fundraiser and overnight get $3 million. Black people, we don't have it like that, right? We don't have people financing our investments. I mean, giving us investments for ideas. You know, like we could have the same idea as a Mark Zuckerberg. But guess what? Mark Zuckerberg going to have a $600,000 investment, startup capital is what it's called. Nobody is now, going to put their money into our ideas, right? Now, Dion, uh, Dion, I, I was trying to wait, but you just brought this up. Uh, I want to get into this capital that you were just speaking of. Running for president is a very, very financially intense. Uh, it's, it's very financially intense with all of that what you was just stating and also considering the uh the hatred for lack of a better term that we have for each other how do you plan on uh creating capital to go across the country and campaigning um i would disagree with that last statement i don't think that there's enough hatred um 
I think that we haven't had a candidate yet um, that really spoke on our issues and really represented for us. I, I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe that black people are at a time in their life right now in history where they will get behind a candidate who's speaking their best interest and not just speaking their best interest, but coming from one of them. And I'm going to talk about that a little later um, because I haven't a whole idea how we could make this work and how we could actually win. Because we could actually win this. And, and I want to talk about that. Um, I first want to really finish uh, my plan and, and, and let the people know what I represent, how we want to get it and everything like that. So I constructed a reparations package entitled Defense Money Land Grants. And that reparations package was basically dealing with the four, the four elements that catapult this this uh this nation right dealing with the uh the four elements that i talked about at first the four elements that i constructed for a reparations package is based on that okay i'm not coming out with nothing you know my idea well it's my idea but this is substantiated by you know facts of how this system is is operating. It's not just numbers. I'm put. I'm just, you know, taken out of my nose, right? This is this is studies that I've constructed based on how this economy works, based on how the defensive structure works, based on land um, that was already promised to us and access to capital, right? So the first element is defense, and as president of the United States of America, I have the only absolute power I have is this right here. I have absolute power to make sure that I could establish any type of defensive organization. And how am I planning to do that? It's going to be completely legal by using the 14th Amendment. The 14th Amendment was established given black people who descended from slaves, former slaves, Americans citizenship, something that was denied to us. And previously, we had the Dred Scott decision of 1859, which was a Supreme Court case that stated that we were only property, right? So Abraham Lincoln signed an, an executive order called the Emancipation Proclamation. Um, the, the Emancipation Proclamation did not free all slaves. However, it was it was the starting point for what was to soon come. So the only reason why Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation because he was losing the Civil War, and he needed to give black men at the time an incentive to fight for him. So he offered them freedom. He said, "Look." Because he wanted to build his powers up, he wanted he wanted to build his man power up, and he knew that he needed more numbers. So he said, "Look, we got all these millions of slaves out here. Why not arm them? And if they win us this war, we would give them their freedom." 
So the Emancipation Proclamation, was, which was an executive order, was written for that purpose. And millions of black slaves were armed. And they won the Civil War against the Confederacy. After the assassination of Abraham Lincoln, because Abraham Lincoln was a very, very beloved president, and the people were still in mourning, and, and they wanted to finish his legacy, right? So what they did, Congress got together and established the 13th Amendment, and that basically abolished slavery, but they left a loophole which stated that if you go to prison, you're still a slave. But the key, but the amendment that really sets the standard for what I'm about to do is the 14th Amendment, which gives us us equal protection under the law. This means, so when you hear Thomas Jefferson say, uh, all men are created equal, he was talking about white men, white, white folks. It wasn't until the establishment of the 14th Amendment where uh, this amendment gave us equal access to citizenship. So now all men are created equal. The problem is the law isn't enforced. So the reason why you see a violation of constitutional law is because it's not enforced. So as president, I am going to enforce the law because there were a, there was specific there was a specific constitutional binding that granted us rights. So there should be a specific enforcement of that binding. It'd be perfectly legal, right? And I plan to create another branch of the military like John F. Kennedy did. The Navy SEALs came into um, existence because John F. Kennedy signed into law making the Navy SEALs an elite branch of military because at the time they, they needed more intel on foreign affairs and, and, and more of a military uh, organization coming off of the beach coastal lines. So he established what's known as today as the Navy SEALs. So when I'm president, I'm going to establish a specific military for black people that's going to protect us not only in this country, but in, for foreign affairs as well. And a judicial system, a new court system for black people. So we're not going to go through their court system anymore because there's too much evidence showing that it's not being reused properly. Okay? When you lock up a young man for 50 years because, because he stole a pack of bubble gum or, or because he violated parole, that's, white people don't go through that. So that, that's a violation of these people's constitutional rights, right? When you have Amber Geiger who go walk into a man's house and, sh and shoot him dead while he's eating ice cream on his couch and, and get 10 years, okay, it's obvious that we need our own system, right? So there must be a court system set in place for black people because there are specific enforcements that needs that that uh, that 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 are needed for us. Just like there was a specific constitutional amendment that was established specifically for us. 
So it has to be a specific enforcement of the law, all right, which would be perfectly legal and constitutional. The next element is money, and I did my own, I did a calculation, okay? I calculated that America is worth one quadrillion dollars. Now, how did I come up with that number, right? Did I just come out with that number out of my ears, or did I really study and find out how much America was worth? I added up every GDP since 1865, the emancipation year, and I added it up all the way until 2018, which was last year. And I found out that that there was a yearly average of $7 trillion a year. I added $7 trillion a year all the way up and got one quadrillion dollars. I did another calculation, and I call this the at least factor, which means there is at least these many people. Now, since it say that there are 14, that we represent 14% of the population, okay? However, I added an at least factor that at least 3% are going to be able to prove that they descended from slaves. So with the at least factor, I calculated how many people will actually be able to prove that they descended from slaves, which is 10 million people. How did I get that that number? Well, I took 3% of 300 million people, which is the, the complete sum of people living in this country, which is 300 million. 3% of that is 10 million. If you, if you divide 10 million from uh, 3% of one quadrillion dollars, which is $30 trillion, that's every black person getting $3.1 million of a lump sum check. Now, these might, this might have to get dispersed in increments, maybe three, four, five, six. I don't know. We'll find out when we get there. But you get two checks. You get one lump sum of $3.1 million and another check that go on on an annual basis. And I'm going to talk about that. And the reason why you get a second check that doesn't stop is because this economy was built on our backs, and this this economy never stops. America, as long as America exists, there should be compensation given to black people in America. Now, that check is based on the population size dealing with the yearly gross domestic product GDP of $20 trillion with equity because of inflation. So last year, the, the GDP was $20 trillion. You take 3% of $20 trillion, you get $600 billion. $600 billion dispersed to 10 million people with $60,000 a year with equity. So your check of $60,000 a year won't be the same in 100 years. It's going to go up, like the stock market and the real estate market due to inflation, right? So $60,000 a year for one check with equity going up and another check for $3.1 million, and that would destroy the racial wealth gap. The third element is land, because we were already promised 40 acres in a mule. So if you multiply 10 million people by 40 acres of land, that's 400 million acres of land 
that's a landmass larger than most states. And last but not least is grants, access to capital, right? Grants, free money for, for 20 to 50 years given to, to black people who, who run organizations. If they're going to have to go to a board, if they have great ideas, inventions, businesses, infrastructure, science and technology, anything that's going to help black society, that's going to be benefic uh, beneficial for black society, they are going to be given free money. Okay, They are not going to have to take this money out of their own pocket. This money is going to be given to them based on what they have in order to build black society. The money that's, that, that's in your pocket stays in your pocket because that's the compensation. That's your personal compensation, but you, you got to have, we got to have compensation as a people as well to build. And you shouldn't have to take money out of your own pocket to repair the damages that have been done. Okay. So DMLG, Defense Money Land Grants. My next point is we need our own candidates. Now, I heard the clip by Dr. Umar Johnson. I have a lot of respect for Dr. Umar Johnson. I think he's a legend. I think he's going to go down in history as one of our greatest orators. Okay. For speaking, this dude is up there with Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. This dude can move you. Right. But you're talking to a man who studied politics. All right. There, you know, there's a two party system. Facts. I'm not making this up. If we're going to get power, there's a way to get it in America. But the Democratic Party party makes up. They cannot get into the White House without a vote. Facts. That's a fact. They need a vote. You have power as a people to leverage your vote any way you want. This have not been been getting done. That era is over. Now, the reason why you have conflict between the people who talk about economics and politics is because nobody really understands that you need politics and economics and congruence with each other. Look at America, for example. They have a strong economy, right? But they also have a strong political system. You've got to have them both. You can't have one or the other. You've got to have them both. Politics is what makes economy flow. And, and you, you need strong economics in order to fund your politics. They go hand in hand. The reason why a lot of the economic people, and, and I can't fault them for this, but the reason why you see so much discourse and them, them talking bad about politics is because they feel that, like they got to compete because we have too many black people who feel if they go to the polls and vote, that's all they got to do. So, uh, so a lot of black leaders who need the, you know, the people to fund what they got going on or or businesses or whatnot, you know, they, they talk bad about politics because unfortunately they see it as a form of competition because for the last 40 years, black people have been voting, but they haven't been really taking their economics as a priority. Right. And not only have they been voting, 
but they have been voting for the wrong people, right? We never had a black agenda priority candidate. So all kudos to Dr. Umar, but, you know, there was a lot of fallacies in, in that statement, and that's what we got to look out for, okay? We got to be educated on how to get power in America, okay? Starting your own party, I'm not against it. But in this climate that we're living in, you would never be president starting your own party. You would never have access to the White House starting your own power party. If we're going to make DMLG work, we got to take the party that we all already operate, which is a very powerful party, which is the Democratic Party. It's not about being loyal to them. We're not loyal to the Democratic Party. We're taking it over. Okay, this is a hijack move. And we could do that. We have the power to, to do that. This, this isn't a pipe dream. Black, the Democrats know that they can't get into the White House without the black vote. All right? A lot of times, people, they sound good, but you got to really, if it's not really logical, you got to really stand back and take a step back and say, okay, it sounded good, but doesn't make sense. What I'm saying is logical. We all know that the Democratic Party, we control that party. The Democrats will tell you that. And they're trying to separate black men and black women by talking about the black woman is the backbone of, of the party. But the reason why the black women are the quote-unquote backbone of the party is because black men don't vote for their ass because we, don't have a, a, we never had a candidate like myself. Black men will vote for me. I see it all down my timeline. I got a post right now that's going viral. Nothing but black men saying, hey, man, I got you, bro. I'm going to vote for you. I'm going to the polls. I'm going to make sure I'm going to vote for you. Black men will vote for me. And black women is going to vote for me because they're going to see a strong black man out here. I'm not tap dancing for white folks. So we got to get it right. We got to tell the people how to get it. You I, I, you occupy the White House by taking over the Democratic Party. There is no other way. You can't start your own party because then all, all you're going to do, that's a selfish endeavor. Because, okay, if, if you want to be a political star, okay, start your own party. I thought about that. Maybe I should just start my own party. Yes, I get a lot of people who sign it and, oh, yeah, D.I.D. Jenkins shout my name, but nothing is going to get done. I'm going to just have my own party, and we're not going to have any access to the White House. Donald Trump is going to keep getting in and, uh, you know, the Republicans are just going to keep winning because we're all trying to get our own party started. No, get the party that you already operate. The Democratic Party is, the, is, is, is powerful and we, we control that party. They admitted it. They're trying to say black women is the backbone of it. The reason why black women is the backbone of it, because we ain't, let me tell you why Barack Obama won in 2008. Because he had dudes like me out there on the streets with T-shirts. Black men. So we got to take that into consideration. And there are two questions that you ask any candidate. Because after me, believe me, you're going to have more people coming after me talking about they're a black agenda priority candidate. But there's two questions that you must ask any. And, 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 and I'm not telling you. You know, I, we need more politicians. We're not, well, I'm not a politician, but we need people trying to get in office. 
we need more people trying to get in office with a black priority agenda candidate. But even that, you got to be careful because the Democratic Party is going to see what we're doing and they're going to try to co-opt it. So here, I got two questions that you ask anybody who's claiming to be a black, uh, a black priority candidate. And these two questions are very important. All right. Um, give me a second. So the first question that you ask anybody talking about their black agenda priority candidate, what are your, the first question that you ask is what are your views on reparations for black Americans who descended from American slaves? What are your views on that? Do not use any political names in association with this question because your lineage clan cannot be connected to any political groups. This question has to be lineage based only to keep a sense of neutrality. So what I mean by that, if you say like ADOS, no disrespect to ADOS or SBA or none of them, because I support those groups, but they are political groups. They're ran by figureheads, right? And unfortunately, if, if, if you call out certain names, you know, that's not really representing because everybody don't really get down with, with ADOS or, or FBA or DOA or whatever. Everybody don't really get down with that. You got to have your, your, your lineage intact. Okay. And the second question is how is your personal life directly affected if we never get reparations? Now that's a very important question because you can't have Miriam Williamson talking about, yeah, I'm for reparations. Vote for me because you got to ask yourself what's going to happen when this lady get in office. Do you really trust her? This is a white woman. She benefits off of white supremacy. If you have a candidate who started from day one, when he was getting laughed at talking about reparations and now it becomes popular and now you have white candidates and everybody coming off talking about, yeah, I'm a black agenda first candidate. Somebody's lying. So you got to make a decision on who's lying, who's telling, who's telling the truth and who's not. Okay. And there are two questions that ask that the question, the second question is so important because human beings are primarily self-interest based organisms. They are not really compelled to take actions unless they are affected directly. And that is why I do not think a millionaire status individual can lead as a candidate because reparations is a fight that is being upheld from the bottom casted class black American. Because we not only understand why reparations are important, but we feel it every day. It is personal for most of us. I think millionaires who agree with this fight should be the primary donors to black priority agenda political candidates. No, I'm not against rich black people. I make that clear. I just think this fight is a poor man. It is a poor bottom cast black man fight. When you, when you, well, I, I take that back. You don't got to be poor, but you got to be hungry enough. When you Unfortunately, too many of us, when we get money, we start looking down on poor black people. Okay? We start looking down. We start 
isolating ourselves. And we can get easily more co-opted. Because now, look at Oprah Winfrey, for instance, right? It's easier to control you when you got all that money because you got more to lose. See, soldiers, they fight because they ain't got nothing to lose. They say, man, I'm going to get this or I'm going to die. Like, get rich or die trying, right? 50 cents. You know, he, he got shot nine times. He's in the slums. He said, man, I'm going to get this. Even, 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 even if I got to die, your fiercest warriors or your most, or the poorest people, anybody talking down on poor black people, you got to step back because the soldiers are the poor black people, the middle-class black people, okay? It's not the rich and no disrespect to the rich, but I personally, and that's my personal opinion with that one i want to make that clear but from my observation when black when when people get money not just black people anybody when they get money they get less hungry all right so this fight is a poor black people's fight black man woman fight all right now understanding that we got to have our own candidates who represent us who represent this fight Okay? Understanding that we already operate and control a Democratic Party that's very powerful. It controls 50% of the market in politics. Why not take advantage of that? That's what you've got to take advantage. 20 years from now, it's not going to be like that because we got the interracial thing going on. Like these kids are going to grow up, they're going to, they're going to be less black identified. Right? We already have a problem with black people being white identified now we're going to have black people uh you know a lot more quote-unquote mixed people mulattoes right and no disrespect to mixed people i i I, you know they're black too but unfortunately their evidence shows that when people mix with that white dna they get more and more white identified and they could get they could get co-opted a lot better because People who are classified as white who run the world always go to them and say, look, you're not really black, right? So right now, we, we still have the numbers. This is it's not going to be like that in 20 years. So if, if we right now, you know, this may be one of the last beckoning calls to take over the Democratic Party the way we want it. So how do you take over the Democratic Party? Well, you say, look, we're not voting for any candidate unless they have a black agenda priority platform. And right now on a presidential candidacy, there is only one. His name is Deion D. Jenkins. Why are we getting behind Deion D. Jenkins? It's not because we like Deion D. Jenkins. It's not because, oh, man, we're rooting for Deion D. Jenkins. No, this is the only candidate who have a platform, a solution to our problem who proved the test, okay? The reason why you have, you know, politicians talking about reparations is because I was out there campaigning on this. Way back in 2015, nobody was talking about reparations back then. I know that for a fact. I was in the streets. I was getting laughed at. 
by, uh, by, by a lot of people, like, nah, man, that ain't going to happen. Ain't nobody, nah, reparations, nah, black people don't even believe in that. I was getting all types of it, man, but I still stood my ground. I could have easily diluted my message. Because it, it was, a, especially right after Obama, the most diluted black president, blackness of our era. You know, this man became the president and, and he couldn't even say black. I could have easily became a Cory Booker, you know, like just, just dancing over, you know, not really grounded in blackness. I could have easily did that. I grew my dreads out and everything. I want the people to know, no, I'm black. I'm proud to be black. Like I, I stood the test of time. I got the history. I'm not uh, Johnny come lately coming after everybody start, start making it popular. You know, you know, you know, now, now everybody talking about reparations and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm for reparations. No, I got receipts. I was about this way before anybody started talking about a black agenda. And in Charlemagne, God, he said something that was inaccurate as well. He stated that everybody have a black agenda. Name me one candidate who got a black agenda outside of myself. Charlemagne the God said something that was very slick. He said every candidate. So ask Charlemagne the God why, he, why he's not interviewing me. Because my people reached out to him. Wow. If every candidate have, have a black agenda. Ask him why he's not reaching out to Dion D. Jenkins, the only candidate with a black agenda. Let's be real, folks. Okay. Let's be real. Now. You're dealing with, you're talking to a man right now. Ain't no telling what type of watch list I'm on, what type of target I am. I'm a hip hop artist. I can easily talk about, I got skills, man. Man, man I was saying, I got interviewed by DJ Case. Like, he gave me a co sign. I can easily talk about killing other black men, being a gangster. Popping on holes. I can easily talk about and be good at it. I'm talking about, no, we need to galvanize for these politics. I'm a real one out here. Never before have you seen a candidate like me. And you probably never will again. Because unless we change the system, and right now, this is how we do it. Shout out to Dr. Neely Fuller. One of the nine areas of activity is politics. So anybody talking about politics, you got to look at them sideways. Are you really about a black agenda or do you just, or, or do you feel you're in competition with politics because black people go to the polls and you know, if they go to the polls, they're not going to want to buy your stuff. And, 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 and that's a fallacy, by the way. I think that is a problem. 
And and I think that's why a lot of our black leaders talk bad about black politics. But how are you going to have a nation without politics? Name me one country. Have you ever seen that that have a nation without politics? Let's be real. Every nation have laws, legislation. Rather, it's a monarch like Great Britain would have a king and queen. Rather, it's a democracy, quote unquote, like the U.S. They have a president, Congress, House of Rep- uh, 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 House of Representatives, a Supreme Court. Rather, they have a parliament a prime minister, whatever, every nation have politics. How are you going to tell the people we don't need politics? It is a disgrace that we have people who people listen to talking about we don't need, yes, we need an economic. I ain't knocking economics. My whole platform is about economics. Yes. But now you want people to donate to your GoFundMe, so you're telling people we don't need politics. Let's be real. We need politics. We're not going to be. We're not going to be able to do anything without politics. Martin Luther King, he knew that. Malcolm X knew that. Uh, Marcus Garvey knew that. Yes, he was about economics, but he knew politics. Yeah, we're we gonna have to get our get our political game up. Everybody know that. Okay. All right, Mister Jenkins, we have. I wanted to give you that time, so you could lay down a, a good format for those who have not heard from you, seen from you, or know anything about you. Uh, just to answer, I want to answer that 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 last question that you asked. Uh, Charlemagne had brought up that everybody that everybody nowadays has a black agenda. What he means is with the uh, with the social media phenomenon of ADOS, and uh, I think I can't can't remember what foundational uh, black Americans that done popped up as a byproduct of, of that. And uh, in, in Cobra, uh, as Brother Scotty would always uh, bring up, because they have a show, they have a show on the uh, Black Talk Radio Network as well. These in Cobra have been doing this for the last thirty years, uh, writing laws and what have you. And ADOS and the foundational Black Americans. They've been attacking, excuse me, let me not say attacking, but they have been concentrating on that black agenda, which is pressuring other politicians, if they didn't have one, to come up with one. So this has become a a reoccurring statement, question, and answer at every political debate. So that's that's something that you probably would want to uh, get up on. Uh, one of the most prominent as far as their particular quote-unquote black agenda would be uh, Pete, Pete Bugetti, I believe that's his name. Uh, I'm, I'm probably uh, saying it wrong. Um, he would be one I of the people. I think it's Buddha gig or something like that. Yeah, he would be one of the people that you would uh, – be into it will not be into it with that you will be debating with once you get up on the stage about your uh black agenda 
But one of the first things that I want to ask, and and we kind of briefly discussed this during our pre-interview conversation, is that I have this chart here. uh, And for those who can... For those who can, uh, who are on the on the internet, it's, you could pull this up. Uh, regionalism, and it'll show uh, predominant states, predominant white region states, predominant black region states, predominant Mexican region states, multiracial Mormon states, uh, and predominantly Asian states. Uh, as it sits right now. Where I'm from, the southeastern part of the United States, minus Florida, is the only uh, it's the only predominantly black region in America, and that would include Louisiana, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, South Carolina, North Carolina, and Arkansas. Those are the only states that are predominantly black, and as you stated. Uh, 14%, which in in my research is normally around 12 and a half, 13, but let's say 14% uh, of the United States is black. You, well, we know that they're not counting the, uh, the multiracial uh, black people. So, and then a lot of those people are children as well. So that kind of dwindled it down to about 10%. Running on right. uh, running on a uh, black agenda that is going to cause, like you stated, that puts you in a lot of harm's way. First and foremost, especially with the radicalized white people that's running around, that's just uh, angry about Trump not being a president, whether he wins or not. They mad about that, so that does put you in a dangerous spot. But let's take the violence out of it for a second. Mm-hmm. Black people do not run the Democratic Party. We kind of vote for the Democrats because our family has always voted for it, and we do it by habit. Uh, most people grow up, uh, me being one of them, Democrat is who you vote for, quote, unquote, because that's who represents us. And it's true because any state that you go to where it's predominantly black is ran by Democrats, whether we like the job that they're doing or not. That's just the fact of uh, today's uh, social and economic standards. So with that being said, once you come out with this uh, black agenda first, how do you propose to get any of these other uh ethnic groups to vote for you uh because the the mexican slash i don't like saying this but for lack of better terms uh latino they are the up-and-coming group and that's why you don't see many uh people being represented but for us they're replacing them all with quote-unquote latino uh representatives you have more of them in office currently. You have more of them physically as far as people in the United States. They have already covered us in numbers already. Now, we could blame that on uh, on the deaths, uh, 
the crime that we commit against ourselves, uh, the jail, the wrongful jailing that happens to us. We could blame it on anything but the fact, and all of those will be uh, true and justified when we name those, but the fact of the matter is, is that they outnumber us still. And then you still have to deal with the white people who don't like us. You're going to have to deal with the white people who are going to be offended because we, we are, everything that you've done discussed, we have discussed uh, for years now. So I'm very familiar with, with all of that information, whether we're talking about uh, the Klan uh, organizing to take over the law enforcement, all of that information. One thing that we always, uh, another thing that we always discuss is that, uh, not that we always discuss, excuse me, we was just discussing this uh, last week, actually, when I was telling our, uh, our listenership about you, we discussed it then, and a couple of weeks ago we was bringing up the fact that there has been another study to where white people feel they are lashing out because they feel that they are losing their grip on what they are calling their country. So now we have uh, a black a black candidate coming up for the presidential election. Right. And, right. and you are saying that black agenda first. Well, you're going right. to have to appeal to see uh, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, all of these other uh, black people. Although we do not like some of the things that they say, they understand right. that they have to get these white people's votes. Now, when you come to the stand, because they're going to, they although you have, because uh, we done discussed some of your uh, policies that you want to do, and we're definitely going to get into that, but that's going to, we're going to get to that uh, via these questions. Yeah, let, yeah. let me answer that question. So, so. Well, I haven't finished the understand. question yet. Oh, oh, my bad. My bad. Go ahead. So. They have an understanding that they have to get these people's uh, votes. Um, with that study I was right. telling you about is that they feel that they're losing their power, and this is a reason why they are lashing out even more right now. How do you expect to even get their attention coming to the table with Right. Black agenda first, reparations first, when they already have announced that they don't right. want no parts of that. Right. So I want to clear something up right quick. Uh, I never, uh, when I said that black people run the Democratic Party, I didn't mean that they, they, they control it. What I mean by that is they can't get into the White House without a vote. All right. And yes, you're right. Demo black people just vote Democrat because of grandmothers and stuff. Well, you're correct. But however, whatever the reasoning is behind it, we operate a large enough uh, number to we sway elections. And the Democratic Party knows that. So it's a blessing and a curse because at the same time, you have a lot of black people who go out to the polls and they say, well, you look, I'm going to vote because I just don't want Trump to win. Right. right. That's a problem. And, but you have uh, uh, other candidates who, are, who might say, uh, I mean, not my candidates, but you might have other voters who might just go to the polls and say, well, 
you know what? I'm not going to vote because I don't like anybody, right? And that's a problem, too, if you have somebody there, right? So I bring the balance. So now we have a candidate who actually running on a black agenda party have a platform. So w- once the word gets out, if we all do our jobs and, and make sure that people know, right, and that's why I commend with, uh, what you guys are doing now, uh, shout out 100, 1,000% because that's part of the work. You got to inform the people. We can't just sit around and cry about racism. We'll, we got to let people know that, no, we have a candidate out here, so we got to do something, right? And you guys are taking that step, and I commend you. However, once the word is out, then people who will go to the polls and and only vote for Bernie Sanders because they see him on TV, but now they're like, oh, no, we have a candidate. The reason why they're voting for people like Bernie Sanders and Kamala Harris is is because they don't know I exist, you know? But once the people know I exist, you know, some do, but most of them don't, right? Right. Once the people know that I exist, then boom, we're going to get black people. The Democratic Party, what you got to understand is that the people don't really choose the candidate. The Democratic Party choose the candidate because it's ran by, uh, they nominate a presidential candidate based on delegates and super delegates. So a super delegate could, could basically choose anybody who he want to choose. <laughs> that happened with Hillary Clinton back in uh back in uh, uh 2016. Yeah, with the, when she was going cuz Bernie Sanders really should have won. Right. The nomination. But they gave it to Hillary Clinton. What we got to do is we got to show them, look, we're not voting for anybody but Dion D. Jenkins. If he's not the the nominee, guess what? We're going to write him in. Okay, y'all don't want to put him on the ballot? Oh, so what? We write him in. Oh, he can't join your debates? Oh, well. Guess I won't be watching it today. Oh, what? Oh, you're not inviting him to the town hall meetings? Okay. I won't be coming. Right? We have to do that. We have to be like, look, we have a candidate. That's our job as a people to let the Democrat, because look, they're going to get whoever they want in there. Trust me, they have their ways, okay? Even if if they got to lie and say, I want it. <laughs> and then once I'm the nominee, then I got policies that's for other people, but I'm a black agenda priority candidate. I have another policy that's going to raise the federal, uh, uh, the federal minimum wage to $35 an hour. Now, I'm, there are white people who would never vote for me no matter what I say. But there are white people who are going to be like, hey, what? We need that. There are Mexicans that's going to be like, what? Yeah, $35 an hour? We we need that. There are some Asians who are going to be like, you know what? I don't know about all that reparations talk, but, hey, he's the only candidate that's about to give me $35 an hour starting off. Ah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm about that life. Okay? So, so. What, what what we have to do, we could always figure out what type of policies that we could figure out to get more votes. It, and that's when we sit down with the Democratic Party, okay? One of the 40, 
a laws of power is that you got to know how to, you know, you got to know how to, uh, you know, how to, how to win negotiate. the war without firing the bullet. That's that's what you're talking about. Huh? How to win no, no, the yeah, war yeah, without yeah, firing yeah. the bullet. Yeah, you got to win the war without firing, firing the bullet, but you also got to know how to negotiate. So you could sit down with the Democratic. Once they get the message that they're not getting an office without Tion D. Jenkins, then look, you, you don't think they're going to come to the table? Even if it's not this election, they're going to eventually come to the table. Well, well here's, the, here's the problem I see with that. The problem okay. I see with that is that um, during the election, like you stated, uh, uh, delegates, super delegates are what, because this not only happened with Hillary Clinton, it happened with the Bush uh, Gore as well. So, again, you know, I'm I'm a student of these politics as well, so I know exactly what you're talking about. The thing is, is that what we as what we as black people have been doing for the Democratic Party is just pushing them over the edge for the times that they have won. We're not really even the the reason Dr. Umar said what he said is because we're not even really a factor. They 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 kind of That's not true. That's not true. This, we this are is, a factor. This is what I mean. We are a big factor. When I say that yeah, we're that, not that, that, a factor, they don't look for us. They only come around when it's time for election, right? So if we was to stop showing up to the ballots today, well, we did that this past election. And, it's and still, they lost. It's, they lost, but it was still close between uh, him and Hillary Clinton. So they don't, they don't feel the need to look for us. That's what I mean when I say we're not a factor. Not that we don't matter, but in their eyes, it could swing either way. And with that no, being said, no, we, on, we've Mr. never Jenkins. had. Okay, hold on, Mister Jenkins. The last, the last four Democratic nominees. The reason why they won is because they had large black turnouts. That's a fact. Obama. Yes, yes they were they calling did. Bill Clinton. They, they were calling Bill Bill Clinton. The first black president, right? I remember that. They, Jimmy Carter. Black people came out. Now we wasn't alive. Well, I wasn't. But if if you study that that particular election, that was right after uh, uh, the civil rights, right after Nixon. Black people flew to the polls for him. Andrew Jackson. I mean, uh, Andrew Jackson. The same thing. Uh, excuse me, <laughs> Lyndon B. Johnson. I'm tripping. Lyndon B. Johnson. The same thing, because because it was right after Kennedy, he took over. Black people rushed rushed to the polls. John F. Kennedy, of course, right. So I'm only going by the studies that I've came across. I'm not going by my opinion. What Dr. Umar Johnson told you was based on his opinion. No, no, I, no, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. Well, let me finish. I've Every single election that we've had. Now, this is based on facts. Now, black people swayed enough to win. That's a fact. Anytime black people were not uh, captivated enough to vote, the Democratic Party lost. Now, that's a fact. Like, you could do your own research on that. Now, I like, have. The re- and this is. And, 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 and they do listen, cater. They listen, do Jenkins. try to get. Or, 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 
they do try to get a vote. Mr. That's Jenkins, why Hillary, slow down. That's why Hillary Clinton, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm almost done. Okay. That's why Hillary Clinton, that's why Hillary Clinton was talking about, I got hot sauce in my bag. They, they just don't know how. They think we're stupid. But that worked. Hillary Clinton's model worked before. She just did it at the wrong time. This right? is this is so, what happened with Hillary, so, right? There were so many people who didn't know her actual history between her and her husband. That's why we've seen so much stuff coming out about Bill Clinton this past uh, election, because we were not aware of that when he was running the first time. That's the lack of knowledge is what got them elected. Uh, the next thing is I was saying about the uh, Mexican and Latino population. They have outgrew us, which is pushing us further and further down, which makes us less important. Now, you may not want to agree with that, but you live in California. What's the what's the uh, if you could put a percentage, what would be the percentage from black people to uh, Latin Latin American people there? Right. I, I, I think you're missing my point. But, yes, I, I feel what you're saying. The Mexicans, uh, they 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 run it out here, which means they don't run it. They, they don't control it. But they are the, as far as the population them and white folks. But right. but but not. But my point is, I, I, I think you're missing what I'm trying to say. Today, we, we are still big enough to sway elections. We have not reached to that uh paradigm yet to where they don't need us anymore we're not there yet okay we're not there yet that's a fact no i'm not saying that, we, that they, they don't need us no 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 no, no. I, i'm not i'm not i'm not saying that's that's uh, what you're saying i'm i'm just trying to make that clear what i'm saying is that today in 2019 going into 2020 we have enough numbers as black people and and enough black identified black people to get together and say we're not going to vote unless we have a black priority candidate. And the Democratic Party will be forced on their knees because they understand that they cannot win an election without black people. That's a fact. They spend millions of, of dollars pandering to black people. Okay, They do that. Now, they, they, they may not treat us like the Mexican vote with Mexicans and Asians and gays and all those. They come to the table and say, what do you guys want? With us, they play the saxophone. Hillary got hot sauce in her bag, right? And my point with Hillary is I understand what you're saying, but she lost because black people wasn't enthused to vote for her. That was my point. No matter if black people were found out about her or, or not, my point is they didn't come out. They weren't captivated enough by Hillary Clinton to stop what they were doing like they did Barack Obama, just drop everything and make sure that they go to the polls and vote. They didn't do that for Hillary. They did it for Bill because, like you said, they didn't know, right? But they're not voting for any more Clintons ever, not in our lifetime, right, because of what we know about her now, uh, uh, well, about that family now, right? So my, my, uh, my point is, okay, the Democratic Party understand that they have to captivate the black vote enough. They just want to captivate it without giving us an agenda. 
That's what they're trying to do. Now, the reason why they don't have an agenda is not because they're just dismissing us because they're not because because they don't value our voting power. It's because they think that they because they have been getting over for the last 50 years of just pandering to us and not giving us anything. So they're going by the same playbook that worked for the last half of a century. But that time is over now because black people like we know we're so once once they get the message that, no, look, you can't just pander to us. We don't care about a white boy playing a saxophone anymore. You got to give us an agenda. Once they get that, that have never been done before. So shout out to Dr. Umar, but he's wrong about that. He go. He's wrong about that. They listen, do. Listen to I this, know. Uh, I, I'm, I know. Mr. Jenkins. For fact that the Democratic Party go out of their way to try to get the black vote. They just don't want to give you an agenda like they do the Asians and the gays and white women and, and Mexicans. They just trying to get your vote without giving you an agenda. That's the only difference. But they do spend time trying to get your vote. That's a fact. When That's Barack why Obama you, won, you saw Roland Martin dancing in front of Hillary listen, Clinton. Mr. Jenkins, you, telling her, look, if you want the black vote, you, you got to know how to shuffle a little bit. Listen, they're, they're, do you the know what the percentage of white people that voted for Barack Obama? Do, do you know what the percentage? have been working for 50 years, but that time is over. Am I? Am I? Mute. Oh, that's man, my I'm point. sorry. Can't you hear me? I'm sitting here talking, yeah. and, and I had done muted myself. Do you know what the uh, percentage of white people that voted for Barack Obama? Uh, yes, I uh, I do. Uh, I don't got got the number. Thirty nine percent. Right now, it was thirty nine percent. A lot of right. Thirty nine percent. Like I said, right. So, like I said, in order to win the White House. You concentrate on yourself first. We make sure that black people understand that we have a black agenda candidate. We galvanize black people to get behind this. We, we, then the Democratic Party is going to have to come to us. Once they come to us, believe me, they're going to put any nominee who they want in there. Once we're at the table, we could decide what platform. Now, there's one thing I'm not doing, though. No homosexual agenda. I'm against that. But we can negotiate what policies they feel will work. We're, I'm a black agenda priority candidate. That doesn't mean I'm not going to have other policies. Right? We could sit down with white Democrats, and they could sit down. Joe Biden, he could sit me down and say, you know what? Look, man, white people love this and that and this and that. If it does not conflict with, with our agenda... We could do it. That's what I'm saying. They're going to choose the nominee. Trust me. They have powers to make it happen. Once you become the, the nominee, that's when you really got to convince white people at that point. Once you convince, once, and you can always sit down with white people and say, okay, as we have our candidate now, you know, we could, you know, we could negotiate. What do you guys want? As long as it does not conflict with our agenda. Because if it conflicts with our agenda, we're going to say no, and you're going to lose another election. Okay? I agree. That's I, what you I do. I agree with that part, but it's the approach. 
do do you do you not think that the approach will turn off the uh because no matter what the policies are your initial your initial approach is what's gonna stick uh or, or would you say different I would say that a lot of white people would not vote for me because of my agenda. However, I believe that if we sit down with the Democratic Party and we negotiate other uh, other policies, we could steal some white people on our side. Not on our side. White people would never be on our side. But, but we could have policies that they feel like, okay, yeah, that'll help. Yeah, okay, I will vote for him because I like this or that and this and that. I don't know about the reparations, but I don't want to see Trump win. You got to get the nominee because a lot of, a lot of black, a lot of white folks will vote for you just because they don't want Trump to win as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And then if you got some type of policies that benefit them, they'll vote for you. It doesn't mean they're not racist. It doesn't mean they might not even be a white supremacist, but they'll vote for you because you have something that they could benefit from. Right. Now, if you're talking now, once I'm in office, you know, I mean, we make it clear that I'm black agenda priority. But once I become a nominee, my job is to win and beat a Republican now. You know what I'm saying? So we come to the Democratic Party and they're going to help out with that, with that part. We're not concerned with that right now. Once we let the Democratic Party know, look, this is what we're doing. Take it or leave it. If you leave it, you're going to lose another election. Plain and simple. Once they get the message, trust me, they're coming, they come, they're coming to the table. Okay? And they have their ways of making <laughs> nominees. <laughs> they definitely have their ways to make sure that they get, because if they know that they got a candidate that black people support, that person going to be the nominee. But the Democratic Party don't like reparations either. But they don't want to lose the White House. And if they know that they could at, at least negotiate with you, then, you know, they'd be like, okay, well, you know, we, we're going to have to deal with this one. Now, they might hate your guts, but they want to get in power. They want to keep the power, Right. We're just using what they got to catapult ourselves. That's what we're doing. They've established a party. We're just hijacking it. That's it. That's all we're doing. Once we hijack it, then they could, you know, negotiate. If they have policies that does not contradict with our agenda, we'll do it. It's only one policy I'm not for just for personal reasons is the homosexual agenda. I think that that's terrible for black people. I'm not doing nothing for gay people. And I said that on national radio. I mean, let it be heard. I'm going to put it on my YouTube. I'm not for gay rights. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing nothing for that stuff. But outside of that, if they have policies and, 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 and they want to come together and say, look, man, okay, I guess, we got to do this, but you know, if you want to get the white vote or the Latino vote or this vote or that vote or that vote, you're going to have to do this. Now I'm not making any moves without getting the permission of the people though. 
So any policy that they yeah, they come up with, I'm gonna ask the people. See if 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 you know if we should do it or not. Hey, do you guys agree with this? Do you guys agree with that? And and, and the people is gonna be like, nah, man, we 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 don't like that policy. Oh yeah, you know that's cool. We could deal with that as long as we get reparations, whatever it is. By that time. Right now, we shouldn't even be thinking about that's way down the line. You, you don't win a Super Bowl by thinking about the Super Bowl first. You got to tackle week one first. You got to tackle week two. You got to take it step by step. Right now, we just got to let the people know that we have a candidate and we worry about that in the future. Right? Right now, we galvanize the people to get behind this this candidacy and then once we get enough people to galvanize behind this then it's the next step and then the next step and the next step and the next step but that's way you know that's that's way ahead of time and even you know if 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 if, uh the most high bless us to get to that phase then we just work it out with the Democratic Party. We show them, look, man, you work with us, we'll work with you. Right? What do you want? You know, we got a uh, candidate now who's going to institute this because all they want is power. They're power hungry. And all they want to know is that, okay, if we got a candidate in there, you know, can we work with them? We're going to show them, now, now, look, man, okay, all we want is is a, is a black agenda. That's it. And I know they don't agree with a black agenda because they're racist, but they're willing to lose a little something to gain something else. And right now, you got to use that. That's how you get into the White House. That's the only way. I don't... Me personally, I I love the agenda. But I'm not sure if you done thought this all the way out. Because when we talking about like let's say for instance, I got my man uh Hayes. He wanna he wanna he got a few questions and there's a few other people that got some questions. So uh for those who do have questions, just give us a call. That phone number is seven one nine two eight four five two seven one. And the pen is seventy six thirty seven. And I know Roz, uh, I know Roz have questions, so we'll get with Roz before we do anything. But before I turn this over, like, let's say, for instance, uh, well, it's two things I want to address. When you were saying that you used an analogy about the Super Bowl, you got to play the games first, right? Well, unfortunately, in in the arena that you're in, you don't have, you don't have that luxury to not think about that. That's the first thing. Because these are the questions that are gonna be that you're gonna be bombarded with on a regular basis. People wanna know when you get to the office, not if you'll get to the office, when you get to the office, what about these particular issues? Uh, so that's that right there, I believe that But I answered that. I I answered that. I said what I was gonna do when I get in office, I, I said that we're gonna uh we're going to negotiate with the Democratic Party once we win the nomination. 
I laid it step by step by step. You well, know what I'm saying? That's not now, that's not question. That's different, but that that's Mister Jenkins. I, I, that's I, not my I, I question. Think that's though. That's that's not my question. What I was what I was What's saying is, you, you cut me off too much. Now I'm 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 trying, but you got to slow down. What you told okay. me was that I we, apologize. No, you you fine. It, I'm I'm letting you get through this because I want you to be heard. But right. this is what I'm saying. You did answer that, but there are still many more questions to be asked, and your response was, that's too early. And what I'm saying is, because this is not the question that I have. I said that I have a question, but I'm going to address this first. So what I was addressing right. is, is that you're going to have to let that part go because people are going to continue to bombard you with those questions. The question that I have is, is that when you, some things I personally believe you shouldn't say, right? Although I agree with you about not having the uh, homosexual uh, agenda, I'm not telling you to have one, but to out front say that you're not going to do anything for them when they control most of the politics and every other economic aspect of America. I don't believe that that's, I don't believe that that's a smart thing for you to do. If you are trying to get there, uh, considering that you have a lot of homosexual black people that are uh, in high places, because they are homosexuals so and it's a large population of them whether we want to admit it or not and when you cut them off those homosexual black people they don't identify as black first they identify as homosexuals that happen to be black not black people that happen to be homosexuals so some of these things kind of cut you is uh, I don't want to use no analogy, but some of these things don't even have to be mentioned. And uh, that's the that was the point I was trying to make. It, it actually wasn't even a question. But let me go ahead. But they're going to ask me, though. Say again? They're going to ask me. And when they ask me, because I've been asked that, and, what and, do you think about gay rights? I got him like... I gotta make an answer. But like, you, answer but you that. don't though, because being a politician, the being a politician, a politician, being a politician, you have to do what you have to do to get to the to get to the end game. That's supposed to be your goal. Making enemies before the fight even starts doesn't. It just doesn't make sense to me. I'm not saying that you're wrong. This is just my personal opinion on the thing but um i'm gonna slide i'm gonna slide over because i know brother rise so yeah yeah let me res let me respond to that just uh, right quick so so you gotta uh, understand i think you're missing the power that i illustrated the reason why i could be so unapologetic the way i am and i could say i'm not for a gay agenda is because Politics run in a certain way to where they need our vote. If we get enough black people, we're not going to get all black people. But if you get enough black people in the primaries, 
and say, look, we don't, this is our candidate. We're not voting for anybody unless it's, this is the candidate. Okay? Even gay black people, when they hear my package, they're going to be like, man, this dude about to give me $3.1 million. What are you talking about? I don't care what he say about gay people. You tell me you about to give me $3.1 million and I'm not going to vote for you because you said something about gay people? Shoot. I don't think that's going to happen, sir. With all due respect, I don't think that's... I think when they see what I'm offering, if I get that far to where I'm the nominee and they hear and where, 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 where everybody is listening to this campaign, because right now it's very early. The reason why I could be so unapologetic is because the Democratic rely on our vote. They rely on our vote. We don't have to. That was my whole point in the beginning. I was saying what the the playbook that you have just 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 illustrated, sir, have been the playbook that have been used for the last 50 years. We got to play by the game. We, we, we got to listen to, you know, you know, we can't talk about this. We, we can't talk about that. We just got to hope that we get through there. No, that's not going to work. That's Barack Obama. Barack Obama was like that, right? And he black people... Let me finish because the, uh, that was a controversial statement. Barack Obama was like that. That's what got him in there, right? But black people have seen Barack Obama. There's enough black people now who they're not going to even rock with you. If you even resemble a Barack Obama, they're not rocking with that, and rightfully so, because we've already been tricked by the clean-cut, smooth-talking black man who's loved by white folks. Black people don't want that anymore. That's what you don't understand. So what you got to understand, when I say, look, I'm black agenda priority, we're in a new climate now. It's not 2008. What you're talking about is 2008. In 2020, the climate is no. We need to know who this candidate is. Is Do we have a black agenda? And you know why we're, we're on that level now? It's because you had people like myself out there when reparations was uncool, when we were getting laughed at. You know what I'm saying? who was making this topic serious to where people took it serious. Now people are taking it serious and it's going to only get better. I, I, I promise you by, by, uh, by 2024, every candidate is going to be talking about a black agenda. I promise you that. Like we're going to another level now. So that playbook doesn't work. You're not going to get black people to be captivated enough to, to 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 vote for you because people like me put in the work to make sure that don't happen again. And ADOS and FBA and whoever else. But I'm I'm the only one in politics. You know what I'm saying? So so what you got to understand is that no, we're going to be firm in what we state. We're going to tell. We're going to say, no, we're for a black agenda priority. We're not for a homosexual agenda. 
and we're going to now we don't bash gay people. I don't I don't believe in hating anybody, not even white folks. I'm not teaching hate. I'm saying that we have a black agenda and we have a right to be against the homosexual agenda because it is catastrophic against our people. So if if we are asked that question, well, what do you feel about gay rights? It's not going to hurt you if you say, no, no, I'm not for it. And black gay people, once they know my platform, anybody who got sent, Gonna be like, this dude about to give me three point one million, bruh. I don't know what these people talking about. I'm voting for him. Once we get on that level, and when the spotlight is on us, people are gonna vote for me. Black people are gonna come out in droves voting for me. This dude talking about building a defensive structure for black people, so we don't gotta be mass incarcerated. I'm voting for him. Trust me. Just believe me with that. I'm in the streets. I'm talking to to black people. I, I'm seeing how they are responding to this. You know what I'm saying? I know for a fact that once we get on that level, they're going to come around. Go ahead, Ross. All right. Can I be heard? Yep. Yes, you All can. All right. Thanks. Thank you, brother. Um, now, I've been listening quite intensely to everything that's been discussed, and uh, I think you have a, a quite a few great ideas in regards to your approach to this particular um, campaign and, and candidacy for the presidency. Um, one thing I'm thinking about is specifically speaking about the LGBTQ community. They are not a big group in society, but they're growing. And they've been able to pretty much get in 40 years what black people haven't been able to get in like three, 400 years. And they have a lot of power. And not only do they not have a lot of power, but they're also one of the wealthiest sectors in the country as well. And they also do not forget when people have been against their agenda. So you could even have a dude like um, uh, Eddie Murphy (laughs) coming out before his movie comes out to apologize for something he said 30-something years ago when he did his stand-ups that we all know if you were old enough to be in the theaters and see Raw and these types of things where he was talking about homosexuals. So the power that they wield is incredible. And not only that, but a lot of black people with homosexual relatives support the homosexual agenda. Take, for example, one famous couple, um, Gabrielle Union and her husband. They have a very young man who is professing to be (laughs) transgender, and they are in full support, and they have the full support of a lot of black people. So when there's an alienation being discussed, there's going to be a heavy alienation of black people, voting block black people, because they have relatives who are homosexual, they themselves are okay with their homosexual relative identifying as homosexual before black first. So there's a, there's a psychology here and the majority of the country is behind this. 
That is why in legislation, they're starting to push for children to be educated as young as six, seven years old about homosexuality and uh, same-sex parents and all of this type of stuff is being pushed across the country and it's going through. You have legislation for um, transgender bathrooms. All this type of stuff is on the, on the block. So this is stuff that black and white people and all other groups in this country, the majority of them are actually in support of it. If they weren't, none of these things would be going through or even be the major discussion that they've become. So in order to get in office, these are groups you're going to have to get go through. And they're very powerful groups. And they have an entrenched system that has been working well for white supremacy for hundreds of years now. So I understand when you speak about the approach you wish to take, but also remember that white supremacy is the most incredible metamorphosing tool of domination. Every time that we found a way in, they found some legislative way or they'll quickly vote up, um, put in legislation, put in laws and legislation to thwart the machinations of black people when we try to get anything. And they've done that legally successfully for a very long time because of the entrenched system and the entrenched generations of white supremacist politicians that are still sitting in office actively today. And the other, so that's something I really wanted to kind of <clears throat> discuss a little bit deeper because of the power these people wield and the fact that they can shut down people's entire careers, their existence. And the thing is, you can say, oh, I'm not, you know, um, anti these people or whatever the case may be. But once you say that you're not for a homosexual agenda, you will be labeled as a homophobe. And that is going to set you up for not just black voters who support this thing and this group of people, but all the other voters, which is a great percentage of the country itself. And like I said, they have a lot of power and they can actually rally a lot of people behind their agenda, which they've done. And it's, it's incredible just the success they've had at just indoctrinating children alone. So I just wanted you to kind of speak to that because that is a reality, um, regardless of the approach you take. And when you have this major group of people and the vast majority of politicians, of course, even if they in, in, in behind closed doors may not be for that agenda, but publicly they're going to speak something different because they know if they don't, they will lose. They'll lose, they'll lose their campaign. They could potentially be put out of office. These are the types of things that these people, this is the type of power they wield now that they didn't wield 40 years ago. And we had, like I said, we haven't been able to get that sort of stuff rolling for hundreds of years. And in 40 years, they've been able to put themselves in such a, an acute position to control a lot. Um, so I wanted you to kind of speak to that because I think that that is something that, and not just that group, that's just the main one since that was the last portion of the discussion you were having with Jenna. Um, I think that that is going to be an important thing to be able to uh either get through or get around in order to get into that position of the presidency. And that is the difference between me and Eddie Murphy. Um, nobody have any power over you. You allow them to have power over you. You're either willing to die and lose anything that you got on principle, or you're willing to let, let somebody control you like that. Right. So mm -hmm. what you got what you got to understand is as a presidential candidate, when I say I'm not supporting any homosexual agenda, I know that I'm going to offend powerful people in all shapes and forms. But I think we're overlooking the premise. The the Democratic Party cannot get our 
cannot get the White House without us. That is the main premise. It doesn't matter who I offend, what they try to do. If they want to, you know, create campaigns to destroy me, let them. Because they're going to destroy themselves. Because guess what? We're not going to vote for them. Oh, Deion D. D. Jenkins is locked up for 80 years. Okay, well, guess Guess they they uh, locked up the only candidate <laughs> that I was voting for. So that means 80 years, the Democratic Party is not going to get anybody. It's, it's going to lose the White House to Republicans. See, warfare, you got to be brave, man. Like this, like this is, this is, this is, we have lost a whole generation because everybody's trying to get rich. Everybody's trying to live comfortable. Everybody, you're not going to do nothing without being bold. Any, just just take how this country got its independence from Great Britain. What if, and and, and I hate them dudes, but well, hate is a strong word. I really dislike these dudes, right? But what if Thomas Jefferson and George Washington and Alexander Hamilton, they told each other, "Look, man, we can't really say this this too much to the Great Britons because these red coats they're gonna do this to us and do that to." Do you ever think? Do you ever think? They would have fought a revolutionary war? No. They would have never fought. Matter of fact, they would still, this would still be the United States of Great Britain. Right? Now, you can learn from your most vicious enemies. But one thing that, that, that you can take from those white folks is that they understood. They say, no, you ain't going to tax us anymore. We're going to do, do, do whatever you you want to do to me you know do whatever you want to do to me you're not taxing us anymore and but the reason why they won because they had the numbers like they had people everybody the men all of the men were on code they were codified we got to get to there we got to stop being eddie murphy okay my thing is let me me interject one second because i want to say how do you get black people on code? And I don't think three million dollars is going to be enough to get black people on code. Yeah, I just don't think. No, no, that. no, 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 no. Let me, no, no. Let me finish the, my thought. No. Let me just finish my thought real quick. Black people today cannot. Some of them, there's, there's groups of black people who cannot even agree on who they are. <laughs> there's groups right. of black people who argue about the most simplistic of things because we have been cultivated for generations to be right. anti-black towards ourselves. And this is a problem that many people, great people, well-known people, black people have been trying to work on for generations. And we have gotten, sometimes we've gotten made headway. And then a lot of times it's, it's taken apart, usually by the, um, the white supremacist powers that be in the alphabeticals who make their way into infiltrating and destroying these groups from within. And what makes it easy is the fact that we don't have a code. The fact that the simplest thing, like just not speaking negatively about other black people in front of non-black people. We can't keep right. that cold. We can't treat each other with respect when we see each other in the street. We pull out our cameras to film when a black woman is getting beat down by some white, white person or any person. We just pull out our cameras. So there's, there's, a, there's a, an entrenched way of being that cannot be changed by a dollar sign. It has to be dealt with by education and just getting people to understand the benefits of hey, this is the code. These are the benefits of adopting the code. We're moving collectively in this direction. We can't even get people on that. 
most of us won't deal with each other just based on religion. I'm a Hebrew Israelite. You a Christian. I ain't dealing with you at all. I'm a Muslim and you're not, you're not Muslim. I'm not dealing with you at all. This, this is the mentality. So how do we, so, so how do we, how do we get over that hump in order to get us to even come together yeah. and coalesce around problem solving? Right. I disagree with you there, bro. I, I see a lot of black people. I, I come across them every day. Like I'm talking to, your two brothers right now who reached out to me and said, man, look, I, you know, we want to speak with you on your platform, right? I, I'm seeing something different. I think there are elements of destructiveness, but that's going to always be. Even if I get reparations and we pass out reparations, everybody's not going to be on code. Everybody's not going to be on code for anything. All you need is enough people. I think that we do have enough people who could sway this this election. And the reason why I believe it is because I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it every day. And what is the code that these you know people are living by? What is the code that they're operating under? That they want need? a black agenda in politics. They want a black agenda in politics. They're tired of, of voting for tokens, you know, white supremacists, token blacks who want to collaborate with white supremacists. They're tired of that. I, I, I talk to them every day. Okay. Now, so, another so, question, so, so, another so, major so, Go ahead. So, so I believe that if, if we really get out there and if, if we really, you know, you know, tell our people and be like, hey, man, it's this candidate out here, DeAndre Jenkins. You know, you know, you, you, you know, you showed them to the website and all of this. And if there was a real movement, a galvanizing movement, I think this could happen. I think that we could get enough people to say, look, enough is enough. We have a candidate. This is our candidate. We're going to get behind it, not because we like D.I.D. Jenkins, but because mm -hmm. he have a black agenda. It's not about me. It's about the black agenda. We have a black agenda. And and it's not about, you know, uh, getting people on code with $3.1 million. When black people see my policy, who I am, you know what I'm saying? You know, my, you know, my story, you know, how I got in this, uh, you know, the whole frame, the whole frame is going to captivate a lot of black people. Okay, not only now, just 3.1, I'm almost done. Not just just 3.1 sure. million dollars. I'm talking about I'm a, I'm the only person who really deals with reparations by its four elements. The only person you never heard a person, or, or maybe maybe you did, but you definitely never heard a politician talk about reparations by the four elements. You always hear either education or money or you never hear somebody say, look, we need a defensive structure. We need a defensive structure for our people. And as president, we could get somebody in the White House as commander in chief and actually show you a blueprint of how it's done. Not just talking out of thin air, uh, you know, throwing out pipe dreams. You can actually do this. And if you get in the White House, there is an actual structure of how you could create a defensive structure using the 14th Amendment. You never heard that before. 
So what I'm saying is that that's proof enough right then, right now that I've actually put some real thought into this. I'm not just some dude just coming out of nowhere, just like, oh, yeah, man, look, here, man, I got an idea. No, you know, it's not a pipe dream. It's, it's not some, you know, some outside the box. Yeah, well, it's outside the box, but you you see it it's it's attainable and it makes sense and it's logical, right? So uh, what I'm saying is when black people see that, I believe I kind of disagree. I believe that they they are going to get behind this. Not everybody, but we're going to have enough people to get behind this. And truth be told, man, there are way more than fourteen percent. That's, those are only people who uh, wrote in the census forms. And I have policies that's put in place that's going to even allow felons to vote, people in jail to vote. I'm going to nullify that 13th Amendment. Nobody's, nobody's, nobody's a slave if I'm president. So you better believe by the second term, we're going to even have more numbers. But I'm going to knock everything out in that first term because, you know, the second term isn't promised. But believe you me, by my second term, we're going to even have more numbers. Because if you let prisoners vote, if you let black men, first of all, a lot of black men are going to come out of prison when I'm elected president. And they're going to have access to the ballot box. Okay, and not only that, but I have a plan that's going to even allow them to have access to, to uh, you know, um, you know, a regular life. You know what I'm saying? Recidivism is real. Recidivism is real, but if if you have actual structural plans put in place to make sure that you don't have to go to prison ever again is less likely that you're going to go back. Right. So we have to take all that into, into consideration. I believe different. I believe that there are enough black people out there who will get behind this. And we got to like, and that's, that's, that, that's, that's a problem. That's one of the problems of our era is we don't value each other. Like we, now, I mean, not to say that 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 you don't value anybody. I'm, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that we don't really see value in collaborating with each other. Uh, um, a lot of us, because we have been programmed that no, black people don't like each other and we hate each other and all that. There is an element of that, but there are there's also an element of what you see right now. You got three brothers talking about politics. In a constructive manner. No, we don't. Right? Absolutely. We are talking about something that works. Right? And we are having a discussion. Right? I yeah. see a lot of positivity amongst our people. A lot of positivity that get overlooked. You know? But, I, I would we, say it's not really the positivity because we. I think black people collectively want better. That's an absolute fact. And we've wanted that a long time. I just think right. that we've been we've been propagandized for so long to be counter to anything that is productive. And you also have a lot of people in our community who mislead large groups of people. 
the biggest thing we have now is the attention economy. When Barack Obama got elected, he used the show-offism of hip-hop, connecting himself with major hip-hop figures, and he also used social media, Twitter, and so, and so on and so forth, in order to facilitate that victory he had. He was the first president to actually use technology in the way he did in order to get into office. So now with the reparations discussion being what it is, and as popular as it is, because when you look at ADOS, they don't, they don't have an actual political organization. They don't have a 501c3. They don't have a, a PAC or anything. It's pretty much two people who are supported by throngs and throngs of, of, of people who believe in the message that they have. And as a, as a, um, as a, uh, I would say a, a, a spring off from that came the foundation of black Americans. So you have very, very well-known, powerful pundits on the internet who have large followings of black people who only want to follow their agenda. And even though their agenda may not actually lead to any real political action because they're not in, in Cobra, and they're not embedded in the political process where their names are coming up, but they have throngs of people who follow them. So when I say that, I mean like we're broken up into many factions and there's major tribalism in the approach to getting what we want. And a lot of times if a person has a good, they sound good, that is what most people attach to. They don't actually see where the politics is going to come into play. They're only listening to what's being said. And, and that dopamine rush is coming from what's being said. So once they get the dopamine rush, they're like, oh, I'm running with this person because they're saying what I want them to say, whether it's on the right side of history, the wrong side of history, whether it's whatever the approach is, as long as it's what they want to hear, that's what they're latching on to. And these people have been entrenched for a while. And not only that, but they viscerally attack other people. And, I, and I'm not naming names, but you can go through their YouTube channels and you'll see that they start off cool with one other guy or one other girl. They get together, they start helping each other out, building up their mm. platforms, and then they fall out and then they start attacking each other, which is part of the reason the whole YouTube harassment policy that recently came out came out in regards to the, that type of stuff because it's, it's rampant and epidemic amongst black people. So what I'm saying is when I'm talking about the code, the code cannot be strictly around one thing because there's too many things in the way of getting the one thing accomplished because of the many different positions we have. We're not a monolithic people. And there are a lot of black people because the people who are just, just to touch on the homosexual agenda and all of that, these people are already have money. So money's not going to be something that they're going to really worry about. They already have the political power, which is how they got all the rights that they got in such a short period of time. So the idea is that the positions that people are taking, if they're comfortable in their position, they're not going to really care about being supportive of anything that's progressing anybody else because they have what they want. And there's a lot of us in this system who think like that. It's the young who I think that are more easily reached with new thoughts and ideas. I think it's the people who are poverty stricken, because if you go back, Obama ran on the audacity of hope. And I've always said hope is for powerless people. When you have no power, you hope. I hope masses is going to treat me better. I hope white people are going to make decisions that's going to benefit me and my family. I hope because I really have no power or influence to do a darn thing. So all I can do is hope. When you have a position of pull where you can pretty much bend people to your will, which is what white people have done for hundreds of years because of the way the system is that they set up to their benefit, 
that's the sort of power we have, we would have to have. But one thing about white people, even though they're broken up into their arguing factions, one thing they agree upon is that we have to be in charge. Black people don't have that. There's a lot of us that worship white people in a literal and a figurative sense. And sometimes it's subconscious because of the layers of damage that has been done to us. So what I'm saying is there's a lot of layers to get through to get to that holistic, um, critical mass of people, like you said, because you're not going to get all black people on any one agenda whatsoever. That is just impossible in any situation, whether it's here or anywhere else on the globe. But to get a critical mass of people who are already arguing and have these factions and they're so they're so in their thing that even money is not going to sway that 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 push to say, let me go on this agenda because I think these are the steps that need to be taken. And because that's what I think, that's what I'm going with. So there's a lot of that going on, even within that critical mass that's trying to coalesce around problem solving. So to me, there, there has to be a realistic look at the way we think. And then you got to add the electoral college. They're a big part of the process of getting the president put into place, regardless of what the people vote for. And these are all white people, white supremacists, who have, have had their own agendas, have swayed elections in any way they see fit, even um, committing crimes to get people into office if need be. Mm-hmm. And these people are white people. So Can I ask you a question? Be, yeah, absolutely. Can I ask you a question? Um, sure. Do you, do you feel that rich black people are a majority or a minority? Oh, they're a minority. They're a minority. Okay, the okay, 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 okay. Mm-hmm. So, 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 my next question would be: If they are a minority, why would they object to a candidate who won the nominee, who's building on a reparations platform, to where they have access to wealth, they have access to protection like, like they never had, they get land, right? Mm-hmm. And they are put on a level that could finally at least compete with white supremacy. Why, why would you think they would deny something like that? No, no matter if they're Hebrew, Islam, gay, straight. Uh, now, there are a few rich black people who be like, no, nah, that don't, you know, I got mine, right? But mm-hmm. why would they deny to that? Okay, I wouldn't say that they would deny it. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying uh-huh. is we've been so wrapped up in ideologies, and those ideologies have kept us from seeing things clearly, depending on the ideology that we hold on to and how powerful an influence it has over our minds. And when you look at the system of white supremacy, it was created, especially if you read a book called The Delectable Negro, which deals with... um. Um, uh, human consumption and homoeroticism in U.S. slave culture. It's the only book of its type. And it deals with the fact that our ancestors were not supposed to think for themselves. So you have generations of black people who were pretty much cultivated not to be able to think for themselves or function with their own best interests at heart. We've never gotten any mental health services for all the generations of trauma. We're currently still going through, tra- through trauma at a, on a daily basis up to the second that we're talking somebody's being killed or brutalized. So these are, we are damaged people. We don't, we're not functioning at our optimum on a mental health level. Dr. Welsing has made that abundantly clear in her 
40 something, 50 years of, of, of psychotherapy work as a psychiatrist. And the idea is that those things that you are giving, that you are talking about are great and they sound great. But when you're dealing with people who are mentally ill, sometimes it's not that they're against it, it's that they're just against their own best interests. And that has been the reality of what we have seen, because if that wasn't the case, we would be further along than we are right now. And we would have supported oh, someone of yeah. their caliber before when that person stepped up. And, and there weren't many, but there were folks who had black agendas and they got no support. We supported the white folks. The white folks got an office. That's what it was. So the idea is that, again, it's not about what you're offering. It's about the fact that you have damaged people who a lot of them don't really understand what their own best interests are on a conscious level. It is almost like we've been automatons going from paycheck to paycheck, just trying to struggle to survive. You know, the average person not educated at all about politics, about history, about a lot of things. So we're easily swayed with ideas from different people who sound good. Not saying that that's you. I'm just saying in general, because that's what we see. And when you go to just YouTube or Twitter and all of these things, you see that it's just all about the attention economy. Who can hold your attention for the longest? And those people get paid off of the abundance of people whose attention they're able to hold for a long period of time. So the idea is that it's not what you're saying. It's not the, the agenda you have. I think it's, it's brilliant and I think it's great. And I think it's an, it will be an equalizer for black people that has been unseen in our history in, the, in this country and will set a precedent on a global standard. Global in a global case, if it was to be instated, my thing is when you have people who have been intergenerationally damaged and epigenetically changed, because that has been documented as well. The fact that these, these, this brutalization has black people, some of us coming out of the womb, understanding our place in the system, right. just like it has white people coming out of the womb, understanding that they're dominant. And I've seen that. I'm from New York, and I've seen little white children being watched by. West Indian nannies or African nanny or Latino nanny, and they're talking to that adult nanny like they're the child. And that adult responds as if that child is the adult in that relationship. Mm -hmm. That blonde hair, blue eyed child they're watching. So I'm talking about the psychology and the fact that people need to be thoroughly made or made to thoroughly understand the benefits of what you're doing. And the fact that maybe the approach that they think is correct, that they've been holding on to religiously, which is what a lot of us get wrapped up in, that emotion and caught up of what's being said by this person and they're captivating and they're charismatic and say, OK, you might have been listening to this person over here, but this is what I got going on. And if you can you know, shift your focus a little bit, I'm not, not saying that these things, some of the things these people are saying isn't valid, but it's not actually a workable plan. This is my plan and it's workable. I want to get you on board with what I'm looking at, because what I'm saying is a lot of the that critical mass of people that you are talking about that you believe is out there and I think is out there, too. They're just as caught up in the same psychological rat race as the people who you already said, I know I'm not going to get them. So it has, it's going to be like you're going to have to lasso people in and kind of get them to, 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 to come around you and your agenda and draw them in. And what I'm saying is there's thousands of ideas coming from bunches of black people who have big, big followings and who can sway how people feel about other people in big ways. And we see it just in regular correspondence and things that are happening out in, in, the, in the social media space and things like that. So the idea is that I've done, I'm not disagreeing with you that there is a critical mass that want change. It's about how are they going to coalesce around getting to that change with you. And that's a code. They have to say this is the code. 
And the code was have to start with black self-respect, um, not mistreating each other, all of these things. And once you get those basics out the way, then it's like, okay, cool. Well, now, since my approach is not an anti-black approach, I see another black man. I see myself in that black man, and he's doing something that I can, I can get with because it's about helping all of us do something. But we have to get to the, the, the mentality about that. And I think that's what's lacking, even in the spaces that want change. It's a lot of ideas. Yeah, right. But, but I, I, I don't think with this, you need all of that. I, I, I think this speaks to people's self-interest. Mm-hmm. I think any black person, I don't care if he's, if he's self-destructive, he killed he kill other black people, he smoked dope, he listened to Future, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I think he, because I've talked to some of these guys, I think they would, if my platform was on a status that was high enough to where we actually got enough people, because we don't need them at first. But I'm talking about once we sway the Democratic, the DNC, once we convince them, like, okay, these people, they're serious. I think that even those people are going to come around. Because you got to understand, movements don't start off with everybody on the same page. Movements start off with a few people who who are strong. Okay, so I'm in California, right? And uh, um, I've never been to prison, but I know people who have. And they they tell me, like, in prison, some of the strongest gangs that nobody mess with Mm -hmm. are some of the smallest gangs. And Mm -hmm. the reason why they're so strong and 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 I don't want to name any you know by name or anything, but mm-hmm. you may know some. Mm-hmm. The reason why they're so strong is because they only have a few people, but they have a strong core of those people. So their ten people is better than a thousand because they're so strong and tight knit. Once you get people, once see it starts off with the leaders first, and it and it. And it's a domino effect. Um, once you get the core base static, like me and you and and uh, and, and uh, Jenna. Excuse me if I said that wrong. I hope I didn't. No, uh, you, no you said it right. No, yeah, you're right. You go ahead. Okay. Cool. If, you know, if we got 300 of us, a thousand of people just like us, I know that we could sway the public to get on this platform of black people. I know we can. Like, there's no, no shadow of a doubt that we could get people on this platform. And it, it all comes back down to the premise. The Democratic Party got to, is going to get behind it because they don't have a choice. We're hijacking it. We don't have to uh, play by the rules. We're hijacking. Okay, now, we're let hij- me give an example. We're, we're, we're hijacking. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Just let me finish. We're hijacking sure. it because we have the power to do that. It's not like we don't have power. If 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 we didn't have the authority to sway elections, then I would understand what you're talking about. 
But we have an authority to sway elections. So even if a person is, is not codified or anything, he's going to look at this platform and he's going to be like, yeah, I'm down with that. I'm going to vote for him. Because the reason why is because people are self-interest-based. This is a self-interest-based platform. You don't got to be on code for as liking me or, you know, you know, understanding about even black identification to understand all you got to know is like, yeah, I'm, I'm black and this is going to benefit me. I'm going to put some money in my pocket. This presidential candidate going to put money in my pocket. He's going to close the racial gap. He might not even say racial gap. He might have another term, uh, uh, another term, uh, term for it. Right. He's going to close the racial gap. I don't got to worry about these crooked cops anymore. I have a fair shot in the judicial. Well, not fair. I don't like that word. <laughs> Shout out to Gus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he put me on that. <laughs> yeah. They have an equal shot to the judicial system. Come on, man. Like, like we got to give each other more credit than that. Okay, I mean, just, gotta let me say, just okay, interject well, we with this real quick. We got to give each other more credit than that. We got to be like, okay, look, man, okay, this makes sense. I believe black people will get behind this. There's enough black people that will get behind this, and it will transfer over. Okay, we don't got to be gonna... all the same for this, not for this, not for it's this. Not about, it's not about us being all the same. What I'm, what I'm saying is, is, is that I have a lot of belief in our people. What I'm looking at is the history. I'm an African historian. So it's something that I'm aware of, and I've studied under some of our greatest scholars, from Dr. Ben and Dr. Clark, Chancellor Williams, you can name them. So it's not for me to be, you know, just saying that, but this is something, this is my background. And what I'm saying is something on the longer lines of this. You brought up the prison structure and how the smallest gangs get the most respect, and I understand exactly what you're talking about. I'm very familiar with that history. We're not going to name names because they don't need any attention, like you were saying. And right. what it is is this. Dr. Welsing and another woman named uh, Dr. Adelaide Stanford, she used to be the head of the New York City Board of Regents in New York City. And she was a black woman who pretty much was fighting to equalize the, um, the playing field in the educational system in New York City. And she was, on, she was there for, for I think, um, like 15 years or something. What they talked about was going to jail and speaking to black males in prison. And both of them pretty much said that they would talk to OG gangbangers, killers, leaders of sets in New York, New Jersey, Washington, D.C. Dr. Wilson did a few of those. She talked about it on the cows a number of times. And she talked about the fact that when she discussed with them the system of white supremacy and how it was set up to get them, help them end up exactly where they were, these OGs were completely flabbergasted because they knew nothing about it. They didn't even understand the idea of how the system was set up against them. Not only that, but they would ask some questions like, hey, would you, do you want little children in your neighborhood, the ones you use as runners, some of them as young as nine, ten you know, years old, um, to end up like you? Unanimously, all of them said no. They don't want them to, to end up like them. They said, um, do you talk to the children in your community, even if you're still active in the gang, to steer them away from the gang? They said, no, we don't. They said, why don't you? The gangbangers said, 
and these both of them said this. Um, Dr. Adelaide Sanford said it on Like It Is with Gil Noble, and Dr. Wilson said it a couple of times on the couch. She was on there about 31 times before we lost her. And what they said was, I don't even know how to read and write. How do I look as an OG leading dangerous group of men, and I can't even read or write, so I'm going to go sit there and talk to a young child about not joining games? He said, I'm embarrassed. This is what this was a, something that they experienced unanimously because they've done this regularly. So you have grown men in their 20s and their 30s. These are guys who have murdered people. These are guys who've done some of the most heinous things. So they put in work, as we call it, in the street. And these men, because they were not whole people, couldn't even find it within themselves to steer younger people, younger generations away from the life that they wanted to get away from themselves. And because they were uneducated, they had no concept of the setup that they were born into, they just approached it like any other inner city child. We need food on the table. My mom's dead broke. Dad's not home. I need to help. So that's the only approach they knew. No one ever schooled them to anything else until Dr. Wilson went into that prison and talked to them. And the idea is that right there, you see the psychological breakdown that this person can lead black men when it comes to committing crimes, when it comes to killing other black people, when it comes to doing destructive things in the neighborhood. But to fix the problem, because they don't have even a basic education, the, the pain and the stigma of being uneducated was enough to stop them from even trying to help another young black person avoid the life that they, that they, and they actually said that they wish that they could do that, but they feel inadequate. So what I'm saying is that it's not that I don't believe in black people. What I'm saying is the reality is there's a lot for black people to get through that we're suffering on a daily basis. We got, you know, I don't even call it PTSD, it's CTSD, because every day we're going through something on a racial manner to remind us of our status in this country as prisoners of war. So the idea is that what I'm saying is the issues in the mind of black people have to be addressed in some way to get us to understand and coalesce around problem solving. And that's why I wanted to use that example, because there's a lot of us out here within that same state that don't that haven't been to prison and it's just because we've we've been in this position for so long and we have you know most of us go to public schools the public schools are completely miseducating us and perpetuating where our place is in society so the idea is that you have damaged people being damaged in perpetuity and being asked to think in a constructive manner about problem solving for themselves when they don't even know the first thing about solving what, what, they, what they're going to eat for dinner that night or whether the lights are going to be turned off. So the idea is that, like Neely Fuller said, we're in a state of constant racial dislocation. We're dislocated in the fact that they move us around wherever they want us to go, and we're dislocated from ourselves on a spiritual, historical, and psychological level. So the idea is that how do you know what's best for yourself when you don't know basic things about just surviving? to get to the next paycheck. So that's what I'm saying. These are the people that would need the most help, that would benefit most from your policies, but are in a position where they don't even have the time to stop and think about those things. So it's just looking at it realistically and just saying, okay, um, there are people who are going to come along with that. I don't disagree with you on that. But I'm saying that the damage is deep and even no matter how logical and constructive you make it sound, there's people who are not going to hear things the way that you might want them to hear it, even though you're saying it in a way where it should be plain. Well, well, I mean, yeah, I I mean, I I, I would disagree. Uh, I I would think that uh, 
anybody, no matter what form they're in, uh, mm-hmm. unless they're rich. And there are even going to be a lot of rich black people who want to get behind it. If if you you know have a policy that's going to give them three point one million dollars, sixty thousand dollars a a year plus annual plus equity on an annual basis, I think anybody would take that. I mean, I and and, and I don't feel that you, you got to be woke or conscious or more educated. I think that anybody once they hear this guy is offering me three point one million dollars because my ancestors were slaves. And, and and I was oppressed in this country. I'm black, and they owe us that. Whether they believe they owe us or not, they're gonna vote vote for me because they're gonna get get some money. And uh, at the very bare minimum, right? The very bare minimum at the lowest level. That's that's how they're gonna be. At the highest level, they're gonna be like this guy has real infrastructure for our people. We gotta get behind this. You know, you know he he got a black agenda. And um, you know, I'm a I'm rocking with this guy because he got a black agenda. So I I just don't agree with that. Um, you okay. know, we could agree or disagree, but I believe that there are a lot of people who would get behind this if they heard it, and especially okay. if you're gonna make them a millionaire and they've been poor their whole lives. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Well, yeah. Before we pull in some of the yeah. callers that might have questions, or if Jenna has um, any questions he wished to ask. I just wanted to ask, um, because right now, um, with, like Trump, Trump has made a decision to, I think it was over 700, almost $800 trillion he's dedicating strictly to the military itself. There's a lot of mm-hmm. spending um, or, or overspending in places that don't need it and tons of underspending in, th- in the places that would benefit black people and other uh, oppressed groups in the country. How would you go about, because when you're taking money in the budget, you also have to take into account the situation you're walking into. So with all of the different, um, because we have more bases, military bases around the world than any other country, we have a ton of different military um, uh, situations going on from tons, tons in the Middle East alone. We got a bunch of stuff happening on the African continent. We have a bunch of stuff happening in Asia. We're back and forth with China right now. So there's a lot of things going on simultaneously. Right. Where are you going to get the funds to facilitate giving the, the, the money to the to the, the people who can prove that their um, lineage? Where's the money going to come from for the lump sum that they would get and all of the other uh, things that take money that are part of your agenda to equalize the playing field for black people? Because I think right. with the way that we are going now, we've become more militarized than we've ever been. And yeah. I don't think all that money needs to be in the military, but based on all of the problems that we are involved in around the world, it might actually end up being that way because we're also on the tipping point of an economic collapse. And the other thing I wanted to ask about, too, is in reference to reparations, because the dollar, the value of the dollar has plummeted to record lows at this point. Um, right. And the only real money is uh, as far as just as far as countries are concerned, would be silver, gold, platinum, palladium, rhodium, and other precious metals. Would you be giving these reparations in the form of a debt note, which are the dollars, the U.S. dollar, which um, as of 2013, uh, well, there was a, a study done that showed that in the year 1913, a U.S. dollar was worth a full dollar. In the year 2013, the U.S. dollar was only worth four cents. 
and we're already in 2019, so that four cents is probably negative by now as far as the value of the dollar. So when you're giving giving these reparations, is it going to be in the form of real money, which would be gold and silver, or is it going to be in the form of debt notes? And if that is the case and the economy collapses, those dollars that they receive are not going to be worth anything. I think the people should not collapse. Right. I think the people should decide what they want to buy with their money. Um, if, if you got 3.1 million, so the cash, the, uh, the cash element of it, remember there's four elements and mm-hmm. there's access to capital, right? That's, that's the last element. The, the access to the capital is, you know, that's, that's creating businesses and infrastructure. And well, no, no, I think you, I think I think you're misunderstanding what I'm saying. I'm not talking about how the money's being spent. What I'm saying is this: okay. when China right now is doing what Gaddafi wanted to do before he got killed, Gaddafi wanted to transfer the entire African continent to the gold dinar, and instead of trading right. for U.S. dollars, anything that people wanted to exchange for goods or minerals or services from Africa, they would have to pay it in gold. So in other words, that right. nullifies the use of the U.S. dollar period, which would collapse, which would have collapsed the U.S. economy and put I don't the agree entire with that. African. This, yeah, my, yeah, my that... bad. The, the reason why I don't agree with that is because the dollar is backed by the bullet. Whoever have the strongest military is going to decide which resources um, are equitable. So right, right, but that's now, no longer the case for the U.S. China's already proven itself, and Russia, the BRICS nations, uh, uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, they have already nullified the U.S. dollar. China is in back and forth with the U.S. now, and they're trying to avoid a conflict, and China's military supersedes right. the U.S. Well, hugely right, right. Well, in huge I mean, numbers. Yeah, well, so the, right, the they military have other might, what right. but what I'm saying is the U.S.'s ability to dominate, like 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 you were saying, back by the bullet, that's not working anymore, and that is already being proven. Even even U.S. military personnel have already said if the U.S. gets into war with China, they're going to lose and they're going to lose handily. So the idea is that that thing that they used to do, they can't do it, and China is also shifting to the gold and silver standard currently as we speak. They're moving away from. The 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 um the Petroleum. the Yohimbi to the uh, Rohingya something like that, which is supposed to be backed by silver. So the U.S. is going to be forced to go back to using a gold standard, which they attempted to abandon in 1971 with President Richard Nixon. So what I'm saying is, if you're giving black people as a part of their reparations U.S. dollar bills, they're not going to be worth anything because the dollar isn't no, worth anything no, right no, now. No, 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 no. So I'm saying, is, I'm are saying, you planning so, to so, give it to right. them in a real so, money asset, which would be gold or silver, or are you going to distribute these funds in the form of dollars? Because dollars are so, depreciating instrument right. versus silver and gold is what I'm saying. Right, right. So so I feel that the people should make the, that, that decision. If you're okay. a type of person that's like, I, I need gold, you could buy gold. I feel that dollar bills, which is still prominent, I don't think it's going away anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are other superpowers, but America is a top superpower in the world. Nobody is going to pick a fight with America. And even if we get into a conflict with China or anything like that, we can handle ourselves. It may not mean that we're going to win, but we can handle like we didn't win. Vietnam either, which was a way smaller country, but we could handle ourselves enough to where 
we just, we just don't get overthrown by any country. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to win, but we can at least back a person off of us to work. Well, if you keep trying to damage us, we're going to damage you because we could, we, we can inflict a lot of damage on any nation. So it, you don't really have to win the war. You just got to inflict enough damage. So based on that, I, the dollar is going to be here. Um, gold is going to be here too. Silver is going to be here. And I, I think the people should make that, that decision. But I, I don't think I should be like, no, I'm not giving dollars. I'm going to give gold and silver. Because then that complicates things because everybody understands the dollar bill. And even if you have, even if you're the type of person who's like, no, I don't believe in the dollar bill. Well, once you, you get your reparations, you, you, you can always buy gold and diamonds and silver and you can stack up. Okay. And, okay. I, oh, yeah. And, 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 and don't forget that there are four elements of reparations as well. So right. the 14th Amendment gives us equal protection. So we have equal access to resources in this country. So any gold, silver, you know, we have access to that as well. So, so, and, and, and once I'm president, I will, I will be able to enforce that. Okay. All right. So I was going to say, um, Jennifer, I don't know if you had any other questions or yeah. if you wanted to bring in uh, any of the callers that had questions. Go ahead, brother. Well, uh, I get to mine after, because uh, Hayes has been waiting for quite some time. And for sure. anybody else who would have any, uh, any questions, uh, let me just get that number out again. You can call in at call in live right now at 719-284-5271. And that call pin is 70637. Uh, Hayes. Good evening. Peace. I'm on the road, so I'm not in front of my computer. So the little notes that I wanted to ask. Uh, I'm going to have to go off on uh, just what I remember and stuff. I'm almost at the house. And the snow is coming down, so I got to take it easy. Oh, yeah, you better. Uh, <laughs> Real time. Yeah, yeah, we don't never get snow out here, man. <laughs> we we oh, don't yeah. ever get snow. Uh, yeah, I live in I, California, I like, I the like Bay Area. Jenkins. I like exactly where you're at. It, it was what? It was uh, 80, uh, I mean, 78, something like that today? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, the crazy. Last time, cause... The last time it was 78 here. What was the last time it was 78 right. here? It was right. like, what, September? Yeah, yeah. We, we're not going to get 78 probably until May or something like that. But um, what I wanted to, the, the few things that I just wanted to point out is stuff, I can get behind you on that, that no... Uh, Homo, uh, homosexual agenda and stuff like that. I can get down with that alone. But, and this is a big but, these people are nasty. Okay? Not just their way of life, just how they do business. Now, you have already planted your seeds. I am one of them. You do not have to blow that out on a national stage because they're going to crucify you. You will be the equivalent to the Titanic. You will never you will never sail again if you blow that out on a national stage. You have your seed. I am one of them. And I will say, hey, he don't rock with them, with them fags. 
Oh, I'm sorry. He don't rock with them gays. That's all you got to do. You're on you're on a radio station that a lot of people listen to, and they they the people they they think like that. Now I got I got homosexuals in my family too. Love them to death, but they know do not come around me with that flamboyant rah rah stuff. I will crucify you. And now I got a channel too. Oh, I'm putting you on live. Make a fool out of you. You want to live like. You want to live like these heathens? Okay, I'm going to out you like the heathens do. And guess what? I learned from the best. So, Mr. Jenkins, you do have a follower. I might even write you in. I was planning on burning my absentee ballot. But, brother, don't do it. Don't do it. Not, not on a national stage. You got us right here. I got, And many people are thinking just like that. Yeah, I'll rock him. I, and I'll spread his word, but they will thank you. You will be like the USS Arizona, and that thing will never float again. Politically, that's political suicide. Now, I'm about to pull in, and then uh, I'll, I'll, I'll chime back in because the, the points that I want to point out about there's some amendments that need to be put on our, our uh, black agenda. The one that I do know off the top is no taxes foundational blacks now i can track mine i I can track all my lineage from alley georgia and bessemer alabama dogs on it so i know where i came from and oh i want my 40 acres dog on it and i'm not going to say the two extra accessories that i've been also saying because this is a family program i want it now if the Indians can get casino and Jews can get $50 billion, was there a concentration camp somewhere in Denver I didn't know about? Why are we giving Israel $50 billion annually? This isn't a one-time thing. This is annual. But still, I got, I got Nene's daughters, one of them. I got black people that look just like me in Flint, Michigan, and their, their water looks like yellow urine. They can't drink it. But yet, I got I got an uh, uh, ex-governor three clicks away from me, okay? Three clicks away from me that caused this. He's in a gated community away from my house. I can fly my drone right over his house if I wanted to. 2,300, I mean 23,000 square foot mega mansion. He didn't want to go into Lansing because he didn't want to pull his kids out of that type of environment. This is a dirty land that we're in, okay? And I am one of the disenfranchised, okay? My family used cooning for capital to send the only two young, young, well, I'm, I'm, I'm in my 40s now, but sent the only two able-bodied males to prison for a cash come-up. This is my own uncle. He sent his own son to prison and sent me to prison. Okay? Oh, another thing I wanted, because I'm about to pull in and I'll pull up my nose. We need a multiple felony removal program because this country cannot continue to grind down people like me. I'm going to tell you about the story about the white 211 gang that I I had to uh, bunk with. I'm going to tell you about some nasty little things that they want to do to this country if they don't get their way. 
Okay. Now I'm gonna go ahead and put myself on mute, and uh, I'm gonna back this car, and then I'll get back on my computer. But just think about that, brother. Don't don't do it on a national scale. You'll never you'll you you won't get as far as you've gotten already if you blow it out there. Leave Buttigieg alone. Buttigieg he don't like blacks anyway. All right. He don't like blacks anyway. He ain't going to get nowhere. The closest place that, that the closest that he'll get to the Oval Office is probably sucking. No, I'm not going to say that. He's not going to get into the um, Oval Office, all right? Now, on that note, I'll be back in about two minutes. <laughs> all right. Yeah, boy. Hey, boy. Mm. Uh while we we're gonna let Hayes finish his thought when he get because he's been taking notes and he's been letting me know that he he has some questions but because if we don't have nobody oh well uh we got another caller That's, uh while we're waiting on Hayes we we're gonna come to you uh Alex here right after Hayes get done. But uh, what I will say is that when you go back, when you go back and you listen to this, none of what me nor Ross is saying to you, uh, Dion, is to deter you. But we do know the patterns. If you are seriously trying to get into the White House, you're going to have to know these patterns as well. And just to, it almost comes off as combative when we give you these uh, particular viewpoints. And that's, so when you listen to this again, I want you to pay attention to that part. Hold on a second, Alex. We're going to let Hayes finish his thought, and then we're going to come right to you next, all right? Go ahead, Hayes. Hayes, if you're not ready, we're going to go on to the next call, and we'll come back to you. Are you ready? Okay. Uh, Was that okay? All right. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Let me turn off my phone right quick. Hmm. What just happened? Go ahead, Alex. Look like we lost Hayes for a second. I'm sure he'll call back in. Peace, peace. Thank you, thank you. I have been listening the whole entire three hours and some change. This is definitely refreshing. And um, real quickly, because I'm at work and it's very noisy, but when the gentleman spoke about the prisoners having a core, even though it took 10 of them versus 1,000, what I want to do is just illustrate a black code. So the Warriors Tapestry on page 111 to 112 which is from Professor Griff, the black code means the following. We do not steal from one another. We do not kill one another. We do not sell or offer drugs to one another. We do combine our dollars and buy collectively as a group. We protect our own women and children first. We educate our own at every chance. We do not fight one another. 
Brothers protect and build up one another. Sisters protect and build up one another. We look for every opportunity to start our own business, servicing the needs of our people first. And lastly, Professor Griff states, we must get back to living by a code, a code of conduct, a code of ethics, a code of respect. And I reference this because if we don't follow this code, what is the money going to do for the black agenda long term? Mm. And with that, thank you so much, Jenna. Thank you so much, Raz. And thank you so much for the gentleman. This platform is necessary. Peace. Hmm. Peace. You have a great night at work. Uh, so that was a question for me. Thank you. Stay safe. Was that a question uh, for me or? No, nah, Alex was say, just, uh, she She wanted to uh, put her comment. She she said that she appreciated you coming on and she wanted to give out that warrior's code, meaning that without okay. a code, let's, if you was to get into the White House and make all of this happen, without a code, it would be for not because we would throw it away. That's the statement that she was making. Okay. So now we have uh okay. There go there go Hayes, he back. Go ahead, Hayes, you finish your thought. Uh, my computer shut down while I got kicked out. Um yeah, on this multiple felony removal program, that that needs to be on the, the agenda along with no taxes for those that can trace their lineage. Because um, how, how it's set right now, I mean, we're so, as a people, we're so far behind. And like Roz says, the, the alphabet mafia has gotten in the last 40 years where we have not even got a, a, a smidget of in the last 400 years. And it's because of race. But we, we, we as a people, this, this, this uh, private prison complex, I've seen some real nasty stuff in prison. And my, my uncle sent me there for three years. Three years. And you would not see the most demonic thing or the most disrespectful thing except for in a state or a private prison. But I think a private prison is much more torturous. It's much more torturous. I showed Roz what a CEO did to my hand just for claiming I didn't see what he claimed that I saw. Private prisons need to be shut down. They're being traded on the stock market and uh, like a fool I bought I bought a thousand dollars worth after I got out. And you know what? I've made five hundred dollars in the last six months alone off of private prisons. A place that housed me and tortured me and I've watched many people die because they were trying to kill me too. They tried. They took me totally off of my internet. And you know what? It was people that looked just like me. Those doctors that work there, those nurses that work there, those are the lowest of their class. They're not going to get into a top 10 uh, hospital or have a, a thriving practice. So the, the prison bo uh, board, they'll welcome those people. They're quacks. They're quacks. And they like to experiment. Because when they took me off of my insulin, the first thing that started to form in the first week were boils. And because our prison was purposely infested by CEOs that bought 
bed bugs from a scientific experimental place and infested the whole uh, uh, compound, boils generate heat. So I was nothing but a smorgasbord for the past three years. So I have a lot of hate towards this country. I played by the rules. I never sold dope. I never did B&Es. But this, this, this country has shown me nothing but her lily white ass all my life. I'm just one of the, the rare ones that would like to see it burn. But I would like to see someone like you make it. But I don't want to see you torpedo yourself before you get there. That's all I want to say. Hey, thank sure. you. All right. Thank you, Hayes. Uh, and we have come to an end. Uh, of course, share this. Uh, share this with your family. This is a very important podcast here tonight. Uh, what we will do is we will leave you to uh, to give out your information, Dion. Uh, and we'll give our final thoughts afterwards. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, uh Google, I mean, uh, Google Dion D. Jenkins. You'll find uh, articles on me, stuff like that. You'll find my website, www.reparationsforpresident.com. Uh, follow me on YouTube. Subscribe. I'm going to be dropping a lot of videos and stuff. Um, uh, my YouTube is Dion D. Jenkins. And if if you click on that, you'll see, like, a couple of interviews and everything like that. Um, follow me on Instagram, hip hop for president. That's my Instagram. Um, follow me on my Facebook hip hop for president and follow me on Twitter, Dion D Jenkins. And, uh, yeah, let's, uh, get behind this. Um, you know, you know, reparations is a key and just, just to answer the sister's question, um, she was saying that uh you know you know we can't do anything if we don't have a code and which is true and um and we will basically squander anything that we get if we don't have a code well part of the reason why we don't have a code as well is because we're victimized in a system of white supremacy um i think that's a huge problem we're psychologically damage a lot of us, but there is enough interest to get behind a candidate for a black agenda. So, you know, I believe that if we actually had a black president who uh, instilled reparations and would, uh, would give us the opportunity to compete, our self-esteem is going to go up. Um, you know, Self-esteem is a is a big issue, right? Um, and, and 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 it is a huge reason why a lot of people feel like they have to worship white folks and they have to follow white folks and they have to submit to white folks because technically you do. In a system of white supremacy, you have to conform, right? This package that I have is going to create 
an, an avenue to allow black people to compete against white supremacy in this country. And because this is the most, one of the most powerful nations in the world, arguably the most powerful, that will also affect us on a worldwide level. Because if I'm president, I'm going to also have foreign policies, of course, you know, and um, I think is it's it's really really necessary, and to be codified stems from people just having enough self-esteem and confidence. So we have to instill that, but we could still win in an election without having all of the codification uh, all of the codification in place. I believe that when we see one of us in that White House implementing these type of legislation packages is going to do wonders for our self-esteem. When, when I'm able to actually give grants for media, like it's like a station like this may get a, like a million dollar funding grant. Right. And now you have access the capital in a way that you never had before to where you could actually promote images that will help the psychological the psychology of our people all of that play in part right so the grants element is very important because you know we don't have even though black media is is reforming itself we we're still far behind and, and media is one of the tools that's needed in order to create a strong psychology. It's always been used in order to instill confidence or take it away. So part of the codification deals with having access to resources. Once people are more confident, then you, you see a lot more pride in themselves and, and, and a lot more codification like you have never really saw before. Well, and I'm in on that. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, it was, we didn't get to get into all of the nuances uh, that I wanted to get into. Uh, mostly, uh, well, how to do I word this? Uh, we didn't, well, either way, we didn't get to get into all of the nuances. We still have several questions. And after you listen to this playback, um, hopefully you'll sit down and you'll think about some of the things that we were said. Uh, here we kind of give the brutal, honest truth. And one of those truths is, it's like I stated, I, I think that, um, uh, some of these questions that we uh, was given, presenting to you, uh, you answer them in somewhat of a combative way. And it's not a problem that you answered in that manner. The, the issue with it is that in order to get on a, a debating panel that you are looking to be on, that's not how you're going to... Uh, you're not going to be able to handle those situations like that. Um, when we're talking about playing 
the game how it how it goes. Uh, the again, I, I said this earlier. The number one goal should be getting in the White House, making things happen as you go. Uh, Hayes said it pretty perfectly. Don't shoot yourself down before you get there. This uh, these are all things that you could correct if you find that that is a problem. If you don't see that that's a problem, then, you know, that's that's fine as well. These are just things that we are here to point out because, again, the agenda is, is meaningful and it's very helpful, but there are some things just based off of the way that you answered, I don't believe that you have enough information and that's not us trying to trip you up. These are questions that these uh, that these suspected racists they're gonna ask you. Uh, more informed black people they're gonna ask you, and some of the simple questions that you might not even think about are gonna come up from the very lowest, uh, the lowest tier of us. So all of these things you're gonna have to take and scribe and. I disagree with you. It's not going to be an adequate answer. Uh, with that being said, like I, we would love for you to come back, uh, check out this show. I'm gonna let uh, I'm gonna let Ross close yeah. us out. Yeah, can I ask a question? Can I just ask a question, just right quick? Oh yeah, I, go ahead. You don't think I answer the questions because you said that that I didn't have enough information. What? Did I leave anything um, well, untied? Because I, I really want to clear up anything that's untied and uh, to make sure that, that, that everybody's clear on where I stand as, as a candidate. No, we, 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 I, know, I, I we know where you stand as a candidate. It's other things as far as being uh, – uh, it's, it's not where you stand as a, as a candidate – it's the in betweens. Well, yeah, the information. Yes, so that's, kinda that's, like that's, uh, that's what I mean. Kind of like any, any he, here's one information example that that was unclear. That here's one example right here. Right, yeah. uh, you are running for the most powerful office in the world. Uh, so right. they say right now. Right, even though. Uh -huh. Our American presidency is bought and paid for, and that's why certain countries get away with this, and other countries can't do anything. But that's another that's that's for another discussion. Uh, with you getting into the office, you will change that, which will put you in a again. This is a dangerous situation that we're talking about, and that's why we have to be very thoughtful with the words and how we phrase them uh, getting to this office. But and that's what I was saying. You need to listen to this and, and kind of go over what we talked about because we wasn't trying to make you be defensive, but that's how it sounded. But here's an example right here. Ross asked you about the, uh, about the monetary, uh, the monetary, uh, I'm, what am I trying to say? Uh, disbursement. Right. And he said, are you going to, uh, huh? are you going to provide that in gold and silver or in the cash, and you say you're gonna let the people, uh, you're gonna let the people choose, right? Well, here's right. the thing: is that you're in, you're running for a position to make decisions for people because they do not have the ability to make them for themselves, right? So it's but but see, uh, and I mean to cut you off, but but that's but a, you did. 
philosophical difference. He thinks that the dollar isn't going to be relevant in the future. I disagree. But and, he, and, 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 and that's I, not what he I, said. I don't think though. that uh, the dollar is going to be irrelevant in the future. That's so, not so what that's, he said. That's though, not a lack uh, of information. Like that. That's just a, a you know you know that that's a philosophical difference. No, that's that's actually that's all based off of, uh, off of the study that the dollar is is not worth the same as it was before. Uh, that, and I, that, I know that. Yeah, and yeah, right. But but the dollar. Okay, just because. The dollar decrease don't mean does not mean that monetary paper money isn't going to I mean is going to go away. It just means that okay, okay. For instance, the penny. If you had a penny a hundred years ago, it was a lot more valuable. Now let, let me let me ask you this, penny, right, Dion. Right? Dion, what would but, a penny but, be wait, made wait. out of next year? Huh? Do you know what the penny will be made out of next year? Um, I, I, it's not even copper today. Uh, I, I don't, I probably don't know that. What, what it, it won't be made. Be? This is the last mm-hmm. year that they'll be making pennies out of, out of metal. See, see, okay. and that's, that's, that's what you know, we're but, but talking I, about. That, that's, that's not really like that, that type of, type of information right there isn't really relevant to what I'm talking about. Right. What I'm talking about is if you go 100 years ago, the penny was that had a lot more value. So you could easily say, well, the penny is not going to be worth as much in 100 years. And you would be right. But you can always make up uh, um, you can always make up another entity of money, of currency. So what I'm trying to say is even though the dollar is decreasing in value, of course, it doesn't mean that that money is going to go away. Currency that that we know it as today is going to go away. Okay? That's what I'm saying. No, I, I it's agree, going to decrease I in, well. in, in 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 value. And even if the dollar gets to a a point to where it's not even worth anything anymore, they're going to have another way. They. It might be the ten dollar bill that's flowing around a lot more, or the hundred dollar bill, and they're going to just keep adding new currencies. You know, Can that's I going to be to the that dollar. It, that, that's, because, that's going to be broken down in uh, you know monetary increments, but it's going to have you know it's going to be currency. That's what I'm trying to say. No, we. I, well, I, I, does that yeah. make sense? Yes, it, it well, makes what, sense. Okay. Which is uh, hold on, Ross, because you're going to close us mm-hmm. up. Uh, it makes sense, and it makes sense exactly what you're saying. But you've been you running you run is let's say let's not even say the United States right now. You running your household. You have children, uh-huh. right? If you know what's best for your children, and they wanted to do something different, you being in charge, you would you just allow them? to do what you know is going to hinder them when you have the correct but that's the answer. Thing. Yeah, but, but that's, that's the thing. I don't think that's going to hinder them by giving them pay. That's his, that's his idea, right? He thinks that you got to give people gold and silver, not paper money. I don't believe in that. We have a long history of paper money working in this country. I don't think it's going away. 
dealing with our power in the world. Your power, your military might decide if your currency is going to be relevant or not. It has nothing no, to do. No, that's the U.S. way you know of saying? doing it. That's not. That's actually not how the decisions are made. Ross, 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 let him let him finish, Ross. Oh, my bad. Pardon me. So, 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 what you gotta gotta understand is what you're talking about is a philosophical difference. I guarantee you, in 2020, the dollar is going to be there. I could I could guarantee you, in 2040, the dollar is going to be there. We're going to have paper money as long as america exists that's their currency is the dollar they're not going to throw throw that away i mean they got this cryptocurrency thing and 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 people saying well you know cryptocurrency is going to take over it's going to be another form of currency and we could all sit down and you know we could discuss if if we want to add other elements to you know the monetary part but the dollar bill is going to be there if you tell people see once you're president you can decide these things right right now the dollar bill is important the dollar bill is relevant that's not changing anytime soon and we shouldn't go on spec speculations well we shouldn't go on theories and all that we should live in the facts that's that's right now and right now the dollar bill is relevant it's been it's been relevant for the last 200 years and our military is strong right so just based on that information right there and the people understand that right the people understand okay you know you know you know um if if if, if i want to get paid monetarily is going to be with money now i don't see that being harmful now, if I had a policy that was harmful to the people, that's what we got to stop doing as black people as well. We got to stop like nitpicking. Right now, you have a prior to a, a, a candidate who have a who have a black agenda. We could always work out like the minor details. You know what I'm saying? Later on, if if there's enough people that feel like we should have gold and silver and all of that, I'm fine. With that, we could add that as 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 well. The problem with that, though, is is you know, you know that it makes it more complicated because people, I mean, how are you going to disperse gold and silver, right? Like like I like I don't know how you do Can I that. Can I speak to that briefly, brother? Oh, hold on, Ross. Sure. Let him let okay. him finish. So the way that gold and silver is dispersed is by minting coins. Before the the dollar and the quarters were um, diffused with other uh, other metals that were not worth value, used to get let's say a silver dollar was actually an ounce of silver. So this is the standard that the planet was on was was pretty much uh, minting money that had the value for whatever you were purchasing. So back in the days when I was a child, you would get nine ladies. They were eight in the pack and they were about an inch square. Now you get six in a pack, and they're about half the size of what they used to be because the dollar isn't worth what it used to be. I'll take Venezuela, for example. Venezuela's economy collapsed a couple of years ago. They were at a point where the, most of their citizens had to cross the, the border into Colombia to get food because the Venezuelan dollar wasn't worth anything. There was a documentary that was done um, that was actually on YouTube as well 
where they uh, actually crossed the border with a group of people that were traveling from Venezuela to Colombia to get basic goods and services because they couldn't access anything because the money wasn't worth anything. And they asked the guy who was selling frankfurters how much it would be for a frankfurter um, with Venezuelan dollars. He said $240. And the, the reporter was kind of blown away. So what happened was when the economy collapsed, Venezuela had to go back to the gold and silver standard. So as of two summers ago, one ounce of silver can get, could have gotten you and at that time got you up to six months' worth of groceries in Venezuela. One ounce of gold would buy you a house and land in Venezuela. That is fact. That is not something that, that is uh, that anytime, and, and you can study, when you study economists, they tell you anytime a country's right. currency depreciates, they go back to that gold standard because that is where yeah, the value yeah, yeah, came yeah, from. Yeah, I understand so, that, but, but how, how, how is that going to, like, we have a strong economy. Our, our dollar works all around the world. We're not Venezuela, and it don't look like we're going to crumble anytime soon. So why? Okay. Do, do you know? What, one second. Wait, 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 wait. I just want to ask you a quick wait, question wait, wait, about wait. what you just said. I just want to ask you a quick question sure. about what you said. Just said because the econ sure. major economists in this country have made it clear that the Federal Reserve, the majority of U.S. dollars are circulating around the planet right now. In other words, most of right. the U.S. dollars that are being spent are being spent in other countries because they have created an overabundance of U.S. dollars, and there is nothing but debt backing that up. There is no. Um, there's nothing, uh, nothing of intrinsic value, no, no precious metals, nothing that backs the U.S. dollar. So they're pretty much printing money. And what is happening, as all the major economists have been talking about for the last few years, is that as no people are stopping using the dollar, which if you go research that, you'll find that more and more countries every month are dropping the U.S. dollar as a means of exchange. And what those economists say uh -huh. are boatloads of those dollars that are circulating around the world are going to end up coming back to the United States. Inflation. And what we saw in Russia when, when the USSR collapsed, where you had people with garbage bags full of cash just to get rolls of toilet paper or a loaf of bread, that's what's coming here. So what I'm talking about is the fact that there is a standard that the planet has been on that Nixon tried to remove us from that the planet is going back to. And it has nothing to do with military might. It has to do with the strategic moves that China and the BRIC nations have been making in the last few years. And every economist, and there's a great documentary that everyone should go check out to understand just how far the dollar has fallen and where it's headed, called The Money Masters. It is a, it is a master presentation by historians and economists that give you the history of the wars in this country, that were fought over money and, and the greenback, how many people were assassinated by, by the um, Federal Reserve when people tried to remove themselves from the, the printed money that they were making, and the fact that the dollar has been depreciating for a very long time now, and the U.S. economy is headed for collapse. It is a three-hour documentary that will be well spent with actual documented history on the history of the dollar and gold and silver as a medium of exchange, and the fact that the okay. U.S. is going to have to go right. back to that standard. So... So this is why that's a that's a fallacy, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because the reason why gold and silver is so valuable is because people made it valuable. The reason why Bitcoin currency and cryptocurrency is valuable is because people make it valuable. People decide what is valuable and what's not. Right now, if you go to anybody in the world and you say, hey, um, I'm going to give you $5. 
right? I mean, excuse me, I'm going to give you a million bucks. People would, would gladly take that. People are working every day for dollar bills. Correct. People, if you go outside of, of the country, as soon as you touch down, just go to a poor country and see if, 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 if they didn't drop the, uh, you know, the dollar bill. Right. So what I'm trying to say is, is that the people decide what's valuable and what's not. That's why, I mean, no disrespect to, to people who go to college and all that type of stuff. And, and, you know, sometimes they overlook common sense. Have you ever been outside the country? Dion? Yeah. 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 So, um, so, so let me. Well, we've been letting you really, finish all night. Hold on, hold on, I, I gave hold you the mic wait, most wait, 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 of the night. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, let me finish. Let me. Listen, let me, because Dion, I made a controversial statement, and I, I and I don't want to end with that controversial statement. Let me back it up. Listen, you, what I'm listen, saying Dion, is, Dion. a lot of people, these economists, sometimes <laughs> they think too much because the truth of the matter is, the people decide what's valuable. And right now, nobody is dropping anybody to take the American dollar bill. The, you know uh, anybody would take the true, American you know? dollar bill. There's nobody who's, who's, who's going to say, no, I don't want that. They're taking it. Right now, there are movements around the world that is trying to get rid of the dollar bill and all of that. He's right about that. But the problem about that is this. You still gotta fight again. You still gotta go against the country on a military level. Let's say a country did say, "Look, we ain't taking. Uh, 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 um, we're not taking no more American dollars." And if America decides that 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 is against their best interest, they're going to go to war with that country. No, that is not true. If if. If they got that is true. No, it's if not. they got to overthrow a government, they did it to Gaddafi. Gaddafi that's because he didn't have that. no that's nuclear weapons. Here. That's that's it's, why it's, because he didn't have no nuclear weapons. Everybody who has well, nuclear weapons who don't take the U.S. dollar, nothing has happened to them. Nothing at all. Well, well, what I'm saying is this: there are no movements that have established yet that have really hurt the american dollar the brick nation everything that that were everything that these economists are saying is speculation they're they they always predict stuff they're not always right right all of that is speculation right now where we're living in today the american dollar is strong and it's not going anywhere america got too too big of an army too strong of an army to allow anybody to mess with their currency even if you deny their currency, if if it's not affecting them, they probably leave you alone. But I guarantee you, if it's affecting them, you're going to be in conflict with one of the greatest superpowers in the world. It doesn't matter if you got nuclear weapons. If you're China, India, Russia, it doesn't matter. You're talking about a superpower that is important. It's not like Venezuela. We're we're on a different area now it'd be different that argument would make sense if we had a falling economy if we had a falling economy that would make sense 
but we don't. We're in a surplus right now. I live in California. We got gentrification going out the roof. People can't even afford to live. They're getting pushed out. Houses, a one-bedroom apartment out here in certain areas costs like $3,500 a month to rent. I know. We're in a surplus. The dollar is fine. All right. Now, I'm not knocking dude because what everything he said made sense. I'm not saying he's wrong. What I'm saying is that we could always come to the table and say, okay, well, look, you know, I feel that we should add other currencies. I'm cool. I'm cool with that. But what I'm saying as of right now, you know, <laughs> you got to understand once once we get in that White you keep, House, you keep saying that you keep we could saying create that. any policy that we that 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 we could. We'll, we could create any policy that we feel relevant once we're in there. But, but, but right now, it would be too confusing if you're telling, no, uh, I, we're not going to give you dollars. It's going to be gold and silver. We need the people to vote us in there. And right now, the dollar ain't going nowhere anyway. That's my, my opinion. I could, I could be wrong. But from what I'm seeing, the dollar isn't going nowhere. And check me back in back in 20 years just check check back at me in 20 years just so i could tell you i was right <laughs> the dollar's not the, the, the dollar is not going anywhere man we, we got to stop getting listen off of these see this is and, the and, thing and, 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 the thing is no not it's not even about the dollar to go see it's because you giving this information and that information is incorrect and then you telling us that it don't matter though, because it does okay. matter. What is incorrect about what I said? Like, what is incorrect first about off, what I why, said? About first military, off, why is the, uh, the military back? If, because if, I, if you conflict against the military uh, against the please don't don't, don't American economy, mention, you're going to be in conflict with one of the most super the greatest superpowers in the world. What did I say wrong about that? Because that's it's not true. That that's the whole thing. It's the, not true. Oh, the BRIC nations the ma- have the took over that. that the point. reason why the dollar is backed by faith is because it's no longer backed by gold and silver. Matter of fact, here's a little blurb. Since 1971, U.S. citizens have not been able to utilize Federal Reserve notes as the only form of money that, for the first time, had no currency with any gold or silver backing. That's what Nixon did in 71 that they're talking about. This is where you get the saying that U.S. dollars are backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government, meaning it's not backed by anything except what you said, people's belief in it. Whereas before, they believed in it because it was, it was backed by gold and silver, which was the standard that the entire planet had been on since time immemorial. So when Nixon made that decision, the dollar immediately started to drop in value and has continued to do so from 71 to right now. And it's at the precipice of destruction in regards to its use because countries around the world, that's what the beef with Iran is about. Iran is no longer using U.S. dollars to, as a means of exchange. Russia is moving away from that. China is, is moving away from and, that. And so, they about to go to war with Iran. That's why they're, 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 right. they're and, trying to – okay. And, and military oh, men are saying that point. the U.S. will lose in Iran, just like they're stuck in Afghanistan and can't win. So it's, it's not like the U.S. is going to just run through Iran. It's not going to happen. Right. It's not going to happen, no matter how powerful the U.S. thinks they are, because Iran is being backed by Russia and China. 
And like I said, those two militaries against the U.S., it's a no-brainer. The U.S. is going to be handily defeated. You don't and think America's U.S. Got... military personnel has said that. But we have allies yeah. as well. No, we've, you don't been, think we have we've been alienated. NATO's them falling all. apart as we speak. <laughs> NATO's falling apart. Turkey's about to leave NATO right now. That's been on discussion for the last couple of months. So, so everything the U.S. had is slowly falling apart. And that's, that's the problem is that the U.S. is behind the curve. Even the military personnel are saying because of U, the U.S.'s um, reliance, they're the, mo- the, the, the U.S. is the country that most heavily relies on technology in order to facilitate its entire military. Everything that you have from, from um, military airplanes to computers, you need silver in order for those things to work. China owns all of the trace minerals deposits in the U.S. are owned by China. Thanks. So all of those minerals that they need in order to create their tanks and their planes and all of that, they have to go to their enemy China to get it. China's now even getting involved in the, 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 trace, the, the trace minerals on the African continent and severing the U.S.'s access to that. They had a documentary on PBS about seven years ago that discussed the fact that and the documentary on PBS specifically discussed that there was only one trace mineral site in the continental U.S. that was owned by a U.S. company, that over the last 20 years, China had been slowly buying up each and every one of them, and there was one left. And as of last year, China got the last one, too. So America isn't even allowed to dig in its own soil to get trace minerals to facilitate its military. It has to ask for China's permission. So what I'm saying is they don't that, that military stuff, all China has to do is say you get no cobalt, you get no access to any trace minerals, and the U.S. military is done. Because Russia's military, they use old school planes that don't use computers. So you can't hack them. You can't jam them. You can't force them to fall out of the sky because they work on mechanics, not computers. Everything the U.S. uses is work, works on computers. China so and North Korea, they got EMPs that they can electronically send right. here that will shut down the entire military complex in regards to technology, leaving the U.S. literally with its butt to the wind, I, waiting for someone to invade this country. Right. I got a question. Sure. If we get in the White House, and if I implement BMLG, and I give 10 million and plus, that's the at least factor, 3.1 million dollars. Do you think that 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 monetary compensation is going to be worth value or no? It would all depend on what the dollar is worth at that time. And the dollar has been steadily declining. We're talking about declining. next year. Next, next, next year? year? Well, actually well, 2021. Well, most, yeah, of the, most, be, of the, yeah. most of the global economists are calling for the economy to collapse sometime between now and ne- mid-next year. So when the economy collapses, we'll see what happens from that point forward. But when the economy okay. collapses, it's going to trigger a global collapse. So we're ta- every, <laughs> everybody with sense who's been following this has said, that right. this collapse is going right. to trump the depression by leaps and bounds. Hey, hey, look, 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 check this out, check this out. Listen, the, uh, this is not to discourage anything that you're saying. What my point of making that is, is that every time we make a point, you dismiss it. And what I'm saying is, is that that's not how you should go about it but i'm not running for president so i don't know these are just uh these are just suggestions well, no and, well, no we're having a discussion you yeah, know i'm yeah. not uh, i hope you don't feel like i'm being disrespectful or no 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 I'm no 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 attitude not at all we're having a discussion this discussion is needed like we have to have these conversations because you know 
there are so many questions that people have, and, and I'm not offended by the questions, uh, and I hope you're not offended by, you know, me responding to them or even how I'm a very passionate, passionate person. Um, if it comes off like I'm, you know, combative, uh, it's not like that. I'm just very no, I'm I'm and, fine. You know, in a positive way, though. I'm, not, I'm not fine with it. It's, okay. it's refreshing to yeah. me. What I'm saying is is that these suspected races that you're going to get in front of, that's why I keep going back to these see, debates that, that you're going to be see, a part that, of. I think you lost the point, though, uh, bro. Uh, I think you really lost the point. Like, we don't need suspected racists to get in the White House. What we got to do is, 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 is galvanize the people to get behind a black party candidate. Um, I, I under, think you missed look, that. Look, I, 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 I've I, never, I, I, I have I, I, not I think, missed that. Oh, wait, 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 let me finish. Uh, Dion, you're you not talking throughout these whole three hours. Listen, listen, yo. I understand. I have not had a misunderstanding about nothing that you've said. But what your misunderstanding okay. is, is that we, let's say we are 14% of the population. That's including all of the prisoners in prison as well. If you get all of those people, that's nowhere close to enough for you to get into the White House. That's I never the part said that. that. You are that's missing. not what I said. I never said that. See, that's that's why I know that you're not you didn't grasp what I said. I said for the primaries, we got to get enough black people to to convince the Democratic Party that we're not voting for anybody on the ballot unless it's this campaign because he's the only Dion D. Jenkins is the only candidate who have a black agenda priority candidacy. We 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 get behind that and we galvanize enough people to get behind that. The Democratic Party is going to come to us. That's a fact. They have to. They got to come to us. And then when we sit down, we negotiate. We let them decide which policies they feel are fit to get the white vote. We don't decide that. We're black agenda priority. We tell them this is what we want. They tell us this is what we what, this is what we want, right? We decide okay. if what they I want. I, I think I know where I am. I may have agenda. been confused. I, it, now, I want to ask you, is this, this may be where I'm going? Because because I keep saying what I'm saying, and I and I know you notice that I keep repeating the exact same thing. So I might be confused, so you can clarify this for me before we Right. Go. go ahead. Yeah. I'm under the impression that you're trying to be the president. Are, right. Are we in that same general area right there? Yes, we are. Okay. So, so let me explain. Obviously, I must not I must not have articulated. I must not have articulated good enough. So I'm going to explain how I'm going to get in the White House. All right. So you're going to hijack the point. Once you, once you, I'm I'm about to answer your question, bro. Just just listen to what I got to say, because I know that you didn't really grasp it. Once we galvanize enough black people for the primaries, it may not even be this one. It might not be this one. It might be the next one. However long it takes. Whatever time frame that is, we galvanize enough black people to say, look, we're not going to vote for anybody unless Deion D. Jenkins, because he's the only black agenda priority candidate. Right. Whatever number that is, however many people that may take, however many years that takes, 
the Democratic Party is going to have to negotiate with us if they want to get in the White House because the black vote is muchly needed in order to sway any election for Democrats. That is a fact. Ask any, if you don't believe me, ask anybody in politics who, who you refer. Ask anybody in politics who you listen to, who you would refer. Anybody would tell you on any level that the Democratic Party needs a black vote. Okay? So we solidify that, hopefully. So once we get enough galvanizing people, we galvanize enough black people to convince the Democrats, however long that may take, that we're not voting for anybody unless we're back in black agenda priority candidates and, a, and at the presidential space, Deion D. Jenkins, because he had the track record, not about him, it's about the track record that he had leading up to this point in his package, his reparations package. What's going to happen is we're going to negotiate. The Democratic Party is going to say pretty much what you said. Well, how are you going to get the white voters? How are you going to get Mexican voters? How are you going to do this and that and this and that? Now, I have some personal policies that's going to um, trickle down to other groups without compromising a black agenda. However, the Democratic Party might even want some more. They're going to give me pointers like, well, you know what? This, that, this, and that, this, and that, this, and that, this, and that. We come to the table and we ask ourselves if we are willing to take on these policies in order to get the white vote, the Mexican vote, the Latino vote, the Asian vote, whatever, right? No matter what I say, a lot of white people are not going to vote for me. However, we don't need all white people. We just got to take enough of them. Right. Just take enough Asians, enough Hispanics. Right. In order to solidify. A win against a Republican candidate. All right. Now, we already have history showing that. Democrats and Republicans, there are phases of of reign. Right. To where. Everybody galvanized for Donald Trump. Well, the next Democratic presidential candidate who who wins, whoever um, electrified their base is going to win the presidency. The Democratic Party knows that. How you electrify the Democratic base is you got to electrify black people. We are the most emotional passionate voters out there yes if you electrify the black vote you will win the presidency as a democrat the reason why presidential candidates do not win because they lack that element of it (laughs) now you don't have to if you don't want to take my word for it as any political pundit out there who you do respect and who you do listen to they will say the same thing i'm saying Yes, you cannot win without the black vote. So with that being said, once you see the key is you got to convince the Democratic Party, the DNC, that you're the candidate. You're the black candidate. You're the candidate that black people are going to vote for no matter what. 
then they are going to be forced to come to the table. Once we get them at the table, they are going to create policies. They, they're going to be like, well, why don't you do this, do that, do this, do that, and we negotiate, and we could always add other, uh, uh, other policies that's going to uh, attract more voters. But the key is you've got to electrify. If, if I get to the general election, me being a, a, a black candidate who's sincere about a black agenda, that's, that alone is going to electrify our people, and they're going to come out in droves. We're going to beat Donald Trump or any other candidate that we got to face. Right? So... With that being said, did I say anything that didn't make sense? And if it is, please explain it to, to me because I'm listening. If, 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 if you have anything that you don't agree with, I'm all ears. And uh, if, 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 if I said anything that's not clear, please let me know. Now, we... Again, we, we was never unclear. Excuse me. I was never unclear okay. about, about anything. I don't, with the uh, population change, I don't believe we have time to wait. So skipping out on a, skipping out on a, on an election because of missteps in words doesn't make sense to me. Uh, again, some things just shouldn't be said. Politicians lie all the time. Not saying that you will have to be lying, but it's just certain things that you don't have to say that you're giving away for no reason. Can I, Okay. Am I still here? Oh, okay. I thought I was... Uh, but no, this was oh, no, a, no. this was a great, a great, a great, great conversation. Uh, oh it's, yeah, real it's talk. Gonna be, it's going to be so many things that, especially once you play this back, you're going you're going to hear a lot of things. And when you go to look at these things, because that they're, they're not all important as far as the uh, as far as the voting base. They're just things that that shouldn't be said uh, simply because they're incorrect. Uh, now, some of these things, like you said, like, like for instance, the precious metals, right? That's, you feel that that's incorrect. But once you go look at these things, you will see that they're not incorrect. And next time you have no, a conversation no, no, about that. I, I agree with that. No, no, no. Let, let me take that. No, I agree with that element. What I'm saying is that we have, a strong enough economy and a strong enough military that we don't have to rely on gold and silver like that. Like we have enough value in the American dollar. Okay. To where it kind of compensates. It's not like, like Venezuela, right? Their economy is crumbling and, I do not believe that the economy is going to break in a year. We might have a recession. That's going to happen. Okay. We might even have another 
depression. Okay? But America bounces back. The reason why America bounced back because it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a big country with a lot of people, for one. And, you know, we have a strong military. All right? So we really do not have to worry about not having anything because there, there are enough, there are a lot of resources here. And not only that, but we have a strong military. And we have a strong economy. Our depression is still very rich compared to many other countries out there. So our worst day can't even compare to a lot of countries' best day on a surplus, right? So, you know, um, I don't feel, and there's no real evidence showing that, you know, this country is not going to be flourishing next year. You know, I mean, I mean, it'd be even more like, I mean, it'd be a lot more. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, believable. That's not the word, but I'm going to just use it for the, the lack of a better word. If you was to say, well, 50 years, we're not going to be here or 100 years or economy is not going to be strong to say that next year 3.1 million dollars is not going to be strong that's really that's a hard pitch right yeah I, I you may agree. be absolutely right you may be absolutely right but next year 3.1 million dollars is not going to be a lot less money than it is and we can come back next year and we can see if the dollar decrease in any way now the dollar is going to decrease but not at that monumental um catastrophic type of paradigm right it, it is going to decrease because of inflation that's a guarantee but to say that next year 3.1 million dollars sixty thousand dollars a year plus equity is going to be not valuable is, is that's a hard stretch. It's a hard pitch. But and, Roz, and he he, is he may correct. be right. That dude, he that may be absolutely right. Crazy, but, but I don't, but, I don't, I don't really believe that. I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna show you what he means, though, because that did sound crazy, Roz. I, I must admit, but I'm, I'm gonna show you, Dion, what he means. Right? Uh, you say we we are we are very comfortable. We are very comfortable over here compared to other countries. Uh, Here's the thing, though. Other countries have uh, actual food and and not all of the process and stuff that we have. That That's one of those things. Other countries have uh, have fresh water. One of the things that we, we kind of lacking over here with all of the uh, bad piping and stuff that we have that we can't even afford to do infrastructure on. That's that's another one of those things. Uh Another one of those things is that those people are living a lot healthier than we are. So, you know, the the comforts that we enjoy tend to kill us off because we, you know, we eat differently. We don't eat real foods all of the time. Uh, another one of those things is a reason for that is things like some of those trades agreements that you would have to uh, correct, say, like the NAFTA deal, right, where we have agreed to – 
ship our beef and poultry over to our enemy, China, so that they could process it, do whatever they do to it, and then ship it back to us so we could so then we could consume it. Like all of these things are different things that you would have to get your hands on and, and fix those type of deals. But when we thinking about living comfortable, most of the time we looking at like driving big cars, living in big homes. The difference is is that our homes and our cars don't last as long because they're not being made out of uh out of material that lasts. Uh right now we driving around in these uh High dollar cars, right? Say you paying thirty five thousand dollars for a car today, but it's made out of fiberglass. When you was paying uh, ten thousand dollars for a car that was made out of steel, that's still running right to today. But the car that we buy today won't last past fifteen years. So when you looking at these things and we trying to uh, compare how's th- how this money is being spent. It's things out there that show us that it's not worth much. We just don't look at it through the lens that we should because we we just see the abundance of it, not the quality. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Hey, but this is going to be an ongoing uh, conversation. We have been on for... Right now, I will clock us at a well. I was finna say even four hours, but we we about a four fifteen. So, uh, if you could one more time before Rise give us our prayer and send us out of here, uh, let everybody know where they can find you one more time, uh, Dion, and we gonna uh, yes sir, D Jenkins, yes sir, yes sir. Uh, go to my YouTube, um, subscribe to that, Dion D Jenkins. Go to my Twitter. Follow me on Twitter, Dion D. Jenkins. Go to my Instagram, Hip Hop for President. Go to my Facebook, Hip Hop for President. And go to my website, www.reparationsforpresident.com. Also, Google Dion D. Jenkins, and you will find out a lot about me, articles, and everything like that. Uh, more you know, my, my platform, where I stand and uh, how I plan to implement um, justice uh, for people. Um, Dr. Dr. Neely Fuller say, um, you know, uh, destroy a system of white supremacy and replace it with a system of justice. Yes. You know, and that's, that's what I plan to do in the area of politics. Hey. It was nice having this discussion. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, I'm all ears, you know, for the people and everything like that. Um, I hope I didn't come off too combative or, um, I actually enjoyed everybody's questions. And I think that this discussion was highly relevant and, um, and, uh, oh yeah. Don't forget to, uh, send me the link to, um, the download, so I could also put this on my YouTube. Yeah, as soon as this, and, uh, uh, that that link that I there. sent you before, as soon as I upload it, as soon as I upload it, it, it'll be on that link. So it'll be on there uh, right. tomorrow. I normally do it a little later, but I'm a, it'll be on there tomorrow, first thing in the morning for sure. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
Um, even if uh, if I got to come back, you know, we can have a part two, man. And, yeah, because we still um, have uh, we still have a lot of issues. We could, uh, immigration. We could discuss. Uh, right, right, right. Bringing manufacturing back to the uh, like I, we we have real questions. This is this is not a joke right. to us. So, and right, that's why right. we so passionate sure, about sure. it. You know what I mean? But with that being said, thank you for because thank you very yo, much. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you guys too, man. Hey, I enjoyed appreciate myself. It. I appreciate it. Like I said, this is what it's all about, man. This is this is the constructiveness. You know that's really needed amongst our people, man. We have black men discussing politics, you know, and uh, is 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 very like. I mean, I, I'm gonna take your words. It's a breath of fresh air, you know, uh, a breath a, a breath of fresh air. My bad, it, it's late. No problem. It's all good. You know, I'm kind of tired, kind of sleepy now, but nah. it's a breath of fresh air, and uh, we need more of this right here. Yes, man, and you can be a part of that. And, and hopefully you'll be a part of it uh, right, yeah. leading the way. With that being said, yo, good night. Thank you again. And, yes, uh, we'll be in contact and try to uh, gonna write it up and, and make Absolutely. it happen again. Yep. With that being said, Brother Ross, can you hit us with the prayer and take us on up out of here? Absolutely. Um, thanks to everyone for being with us. It was a long program. It's Tuesday evening into Wednesday morning. We greatly appreciate each and every one of you. We greatly appreciate our presidential candidate, uh, Dion D. Jenkins. We definitely wish him the best in what he is doing and moving towards the um, presidency. Also, um, just we, we need to continue to support people who are working towards ending the system and replacing it with a system of justice. Um Deion D. Jenkins is doing his part to facilitate that movement in that direction. So um, black people, you know, we've got to really support our own people and people who are working for our best interests. Those are the people we need to stand behind. So I just wanted to say that. Um, thank you very much, uh, brother Deion D. Jenkins, for being with us. We look forward to having you yeah, back. Thank you. But thanks yes. to all the callers who had their questions and commentary as well. Um, hopefully down the road, you know, more people, once they hear the program, might have even more questions and be able to, um, you know, facilitate an even uh, grander conversation than the one we had this evening. I enjoyed it myself. Uh, thank you for being with us. And um, right now we're about to say the prayer and then close out the program. Mm -hmm. Creator, we ask that you help us to remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us to remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times and all places, each and every time that we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Let's replace white supremacy with justice ASAP and also in the prison industrial complex and human trafficking as well. I am in the love of the all and all love is in me. I am a part of the all and the all is a part of me. I am one with the all and the all is one with me. I can succeed as a part of the all and fail as an individual. I can be all that I wish in the all, as long as my wish is to stay in the all. I am never alone. The all is, I am. The all can, I can. The all does, I do. Once again, thank you for spending your Tuesday evening with us. Thank you for Brother Dion D. Jenkins. We wish you the best and look forward to having you back. Everyone stay safe and out of the hands of those slave catchers, and we will see you here again, Creator willing, next week, Tuesday, same time, same place. Peace and love. Uhuru and Ubuntu to each and every one of you. One love. Peace. Peace. Peace.